Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Float like a pod, sting like a cast. His hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. Okay. I don't know. That's fine. This isn't an inherently quotable movie, apart from that it's about the most quotable man no, who ever lived. Right, and I don't want to pull a Billy Crystal and try to do some extended impression. Like Don King bit? Uh, well, he do- I mean, he does them all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Billy Crystal's greatest characters, Muhammad Ali, Don King, Sammy Davis Jr., mm-hmm. Uh, jazz man. <laughs> jazz man, that's right. Yes. Isn't uh, Jazzman just Sammy Davis Jr. or is he is, is he's Oh, Jazzman's a separate character. Okay, oh, okay. no, no, no. Jazzman is a separate character. All right, all right. Let's get off this right uh, away. Have you never seen the comic relief routine uh, post-Hurricane no. Katrina? Uh, yes. No, I have. Yeah. I have. So you're familiar with Jazzman. <laughs> okay. You've met the Jazzman. Yeah, I've met the Jazzman. Um, and also, uh, uh, of course, Billy Crystal's most terrifying character, uh, uh, Uncanny Valley Tintin. Sure. Right from the Oscars when he played. Have you uh, seen this? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I've not seen this. Okay. Talking on mic before we introduce you. It's what I like. Perfect. And we're gonna pull up the image from you. This was uh, the last time that Billy Crystal ever hosted the Oscars after Eddie Murphy quit. So yes or no? Was he in blackface? Uh, In in, when he hosted the Oscars? Yes. Yes. In that (laughs) intro, he also did Sammy Davis Jr. Nice. But somehow it was the second most upsetting tap dancing Christ. (laughs) Right. Now this is a great example of. He starts off the montage, and no one was asking for this. Like I'm, no. producers no. weren't like, "You're going to do Tintin, right?" Because right. the fans they want you right. to do. They made eighty domestic and got zero <laughs> right. Oscar nominations. Maybe you got score. I think you got score. Right, but this is what's incredible. No, it didn't actually. Warhorse got score, didn't it? Maybe. Yeah. I feel like it was a double Williams. Oh, double Willie? I All think right. it might have been a double Willie. It might have been Big Willie style. Um, this was a year where Billy jumped in at the last second to save the Oscars. Right. Who's going to host? Billy's going to save the Oscars. He does right. his classic, thank you, edit himself into the movies montage. At the beginning of that montage, what does he do? Edit himself in as Sammy Davis Jr. Of course, someone who was very important to the film going year of 2011. <laughs> Talking to Bieber, right? It was like a Bieber sketch. Yeah, the yeah. two biggest movie stars of 2011 were Justin Bieber and Sammy Davis Jr. And you watch it and you go, cool. So in the first, what, 85 seconds of the ceremony, he's already gone to the old chestnuts. This is the most politically uh, uncomfortable thing right. that has happened in Oscar ceremony. Yeah, it was rough. It was in rough. years and years and years. How could this get worse? And then he upped the ante <laughs> with Tintin, which has no uh, cultural inappropriateness, right. but it's just a cursed image. It's a bit of a cursed image. It's a cursed right. image. That's, that's really like, unsettling. Yeah, turn it's it back bit- around one more time. Let's just see it one more time. <laughs> Let's get him back. <laughs> I mean, what what is going on there? He looks like Sammy Sosa. <laughs> you know what? You're incredibly right. He looks like Bleach Sammy Sosa. It's true. There's something off about his skin tone in it. And is it because the hair is sort of clashing and like sort of makes everything look stranger? He's got this red hair. It's also weird because like at that time when Tintin people- doesn't really have red hair. Tintin has like blonde hair, doesn't he? Uh, I guess I it's like it's Auburn. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a darker, that's a richer sort of- uh, but, but I feel like at that time, everyone was complaining about like, oh, the mocap thing, Uncanny Valley makes me so uncomfortable. And I'm like, if you think Tintin looks creepy, look at fucking Billy Crystal as Tintin. Tintin looks handsome. Mm. Tintin's a nice boy and he looks handsome. Um, did you, do you remember that? Did he edit himself into the Tree of Life? Which was an Oscar nominee. It was a Best Picture nominee. I don't think he did, but now what I- I would w- love to see him do that. I wish he had put his face on the baby's foot. 
I wish that's the famous, the, the tree dinosaur? of life. No, no, oh, I'm saying the when they hold foot. the baby's foot. I wish he had like, it just been Brad Pitt going like, what is, when does a soul start? And then it cuts to <laughs> Billy Crystal's face on a foot going right? like, hey, don't put a sock on me. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever he would have done. Oh, <laughs> Billy. It was incredible how for like 10 years there, every year they'd be like, why don't they just bring Billy back? We all know Billy was the best. Right, and they brought him back. And guys like you and, and I would like, rewatch. Let us never speak of this. Right, because we, were, <laughs> we, we would, would rewatch it. and be like, eh, Billy's okay. We tell people, like, you don't want Billy <laughs> yeah. back. And they would be like, no, we want Billy back. You know, Steve Martin, like, if you rewatch Steve Martin's so hosting gigs, they're great, they're yeah. really funny. Yeah, I think both uh, of Ellen's were good. I think Ellen was both good. of John, John Stewart's Stewart were good. Was good. Chris Rock was good. Like, yeah. they, there have been good hosts. And people would always be like, ah, good. Billy Crystal, right. where's he been? I think people liked the security of knowing there's a regular host. There's someone who's going to host four out of five years. You left out Ricky. Right? He didn't, didn't host the Oscars. He didn't Oscar. What did he do? Oh, no, he hosted the Globes because oh he my was God. yeah he was too hot for the Oscars. And he's too hot for the Oscars. Uh, you watch the Oscars? Yeah. Do you care about the Oscars? I do watch the Oscars. Do you know that? He, but you don't care about it like uh, we do. An atheist. I, I mean, I've heard. I've heard that he's okay. also very edgy. Yeah, Ben, cut that. Very out. edgy man. Okay, you're right. Sorry. I don't want us to get sued. <laughs> yep, you're right. Uh, he he is he is very edgy and he kind of doesn't care. In, he, in the special thanks of the Golden Globes, he thanks not God. The, take the, the take that, not God. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the Golden Globes. The special thanks. <laughs> special thanks for making your face. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Blank check. Now Set us up. We're talking about a movie here okay. that was sort of seen. It was one of those yes, films it was, that, like, it a was year the out, number was one like, Oscar favorite. Right. Absolutely. That's right. true. That's a Which good I segue. think, by and large, that almost always dooms a movie. I think there are very few cases, especially I'd say post good Shepherd Syndrome, two thousand. Right. Uh, unbroken. Unbroken. Uh, Dream Girls. Dream Girls, for sure. I mean, you go like Star is Born is kind of the most successful example of that, and it still didn't win any major Cold awards. Mountain. Cold Mountain. Mm-hmm. Very often they get knocked out of Best Picture entirely. people are sort of like, hmm, the hype was so huge. Too high. This movie is just right. okay. And you're like, Star is Born beat the curse by at least getting all the nominations. But Star is Born lost to Green Book. Which I feel like, yeah, but that's more greatest. brutal than yeah. some losses. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, But like, it's like, you know, that's like it's like the Heat losing to the Mavericks in 2011, where you're like, they shouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like on paper, uh, yes, you know. Well, right, I know exactly. Right. What you're like about the, uh, I was about to say that exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like the 2016 presidential election. Exactly. Right. Yes. Right. That's literally. I mean, not literally. <laughs> right. You're you know like, what? Green Book is better than Donald Trump's presidency. I'll give it that. Right. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Right. I agree. Green Book successfully <laughs> lands a couple jokes. <laughs> I like doing this thing where I compliment Green Book. By saying it's better than like very bad things. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Right. Let's do a power ranking. Green Book. Right? <laughs> number one. <laughs> In terms of the best bad things. Sure. So like number two is like E. coli or whatever. Right. Right. I was gonna say Chernobyl. <laughs> right. right. It's a little better. Um <sighs> No, you're right. I mean, because it is the thing where you're like, Hillary Clinton, like, two thousand eight, you don't get the nomination. But, like, you know, losing to Barack Obama has right, more dignity right, 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 than right. getting yeah, the nomination in right. 16 but no, losing to Trump. No one's going to hold it against you if you lose to the first black president. Right, right, yeah. right. He's well-liked, too. Right. He's still pretty popular. But people hold against you if you lose to the first Trump president. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say first. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I'm calling my more? shot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, you know, first of her name, Ivanka Trump. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. She is the mother of dragons. She's the mother. Daenerys of is very Trumpy. 
Yes. We, you don't watch I've Game never of watched it. I forgot. I forgot. But yeah. She is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. is. It's the only thing I'm less skilled to pretend I know about than basketball. <laughs> right. I, I probably know more about basketball than Game of Thrones. Well, I know, like, I know You've the cultural the things character up names. through the years, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Jon Snow. Jon Snow, uh, sure. Jamie Lannister. That's another one. Uh, r- r- Lannister always repays his debts. Is that a thing they do? You know a ton. This is amazing. That's like 90% right there. Dragons? Yeah, yeah they're, they're there. Dragons are in there. Dinklage is also a Lannister? Mm-hmm. Tyrion. Okay. There's all the cold boys coming. I know they're cold boys. <laughs> Lannisters, Starks. Who are the other big I mean, families? you got the, the big two. The okay, Targaryens, those are the big two. You know. Targaryens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Momoa. Momoa is called Drogo, yeah. Yeah, I know people have been on it. It's dra- Raven's got three eyes, a crow. There's there's a three-eyed raven. There's, I just, right. there's okay. just the one. There's but, just yeah. the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like, that's sort of like the chief psychic. Yeah, uh, everyone's unsubscribing. Like- <laughs> uh, this is Blank Check with Griffin. It's a, a podcast. Show in which we describe the basic premise of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> a thing that no one's Eight heard seasons about. in. I will say this. I used to feel like I was part of... 12% of the global population that didn't watch this show. Sure. And now it's like down to two. Yeah. I feel like in the like 18 months or whatever it was in between these seasons, everyone else who hadn't watched it caught up. This happened with Breaking Bad too. Yes. They were like, I know the last season's coming, so I'm finally going to like, right. if I haven't yet, you know, I'll get and, through it all. And I'll say like with Breaking Bad, I wasn't caught up in real time. Mm. Because the final half season wasn't on Netflix by the time. Yeah. That's how they. But I had it, right? watched half of the show by the time it finale and i understood at least the basic thing right game of thrones i just feel like i'm never gonna watch it's fine yeah and it's not like an act of resistance i'm not like taking a stand i know i get you yeah i feel like though there might just come a time once it's all there that you'll throw it on and you'll be like oh okay you know but and you'll, you'll sort of move you know how many canonical tv shows i have not watched you don't that watch are a lot ahead of, of it in the docket. Right, yeah. right. And also, you don't really like high fantasy shit High fantasy isn't my favorite. It's not really high fantasy. I don't know how you describe it. it. I don't know. It's just sort of, It's. I feel like it's its own genre, HBO fantasy. Sure. It is uh, HBO It's a fantasy. high fantasy when I watch it. Okay. Well, of course. Yes, of course it is. Boo-doo, boo. Yeah. Hey, Ben. Yes. What's up? Talking that reef. I thought you were serious now. I am. Oh, yeah, Ben has rebranded uh, recently. He's decided he's very serious now. And his coworkers asked him when the bit had started, and he said, I'm drinking espresso, so is that an answer? I'm very serious. He's very serious now. He doesn't do bits anymore. All right. No, check. it's I'm not sorry. that. I'm just, I'm serious. Oh, right, 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 right. Your bits have to be serious. Right. Okay. Right. Blank check. Blank check with Griffin and David. It's a podcast about filmographies. <laughs> Directors who have massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those projects uh, float like a butterfly and sometimes they sing like a bee. Very good. That was better than the quote. That was good. That right? was fine. That was good. This, of course, is a miniseries on the films of Michael Mann. Yeah. It's called Cast of the Podhicans. It's the only one we could do. It's literally the, all, all these the one other word titles. titles. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's a one-word title Pod guy. Podlateral was the second best option. <laughs> That's how dire things were. Yeah, I can't think of anything it's else. It's the only There's one that has else. a flow to it. Because even the other ones that are longer, like it's public like... public enemies. What, what are you like going to do with public like enemies? Pastomies. Yeah, like, that right. sucks. <laughs> That's bullshit. Uh, the subtitle to this miniseries, of course, is Michael Mansplaining. Yes. And uh, today we're talking about what seemed like his big uh, Oscar play. Absolutely. Coming off The Insider, his first time when he had like a real Oscar-y movie. Big, big, big uh, critic credit. Yeah. Right. And then uh, he's working with the biggest star. That's true. Of the moment. Indisputably, I think. Uh, who is, we'll talk about this, in a pocket where he 
clearly is trying to win an Oscar. 100%. Where he steps away where from he's blockbusters. he's like, it's time for me to be serious. Right, yes. right. And like, I think he hoped like he's- Like Ben. He was in his Ben phase. <laughs> right. Yes. Wild Wild West had kind of like knocked him off the blockbuster path. He was, right. he was right. like, all right, enough. Yeah. 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 And it's what, it's Bagger Vance and this, and then he goes back to- Then he does Men in Black 2. Then he starts taking the huge paycheck. And then- Men in Black 2, Bad, Bad Boys, Boys 2. 2. Right. I, Robot- Hitch, you know, Pursuit of Happiness is his next sort of like prestige movie. But Pursuit of Happiness makes $165 million domestic. Does it it really? It does insanely well. He did the Rubik's Cube so fast in that guy's limo. Have you seen the Pursuit of Happiness or am I referencing it? There's a whole whole block of Will Smith movies that I just refuse to watch. I mean, I don't know why anyone would ever really be fired up to watch the Pursuit of Happiness. It's not even bad. I kind of like that movie. He's good in it. Well, you know I had this whole fucking thing. Oh, boy. I feel like I've talked about this on the show before, but I used to have a, a I'm okay. I'm a, I'm like a crazy person, right? This is well established on the show at this point. Fully established. When I was Still like, having issues, I guess. Right. When I was like 16, I very much had a fantasy of being like a, a very young single father. Okay. Okay. I, I had You're this sort of like, a Gilmore Girls, like a reverse Gilmore Girl, Gilmore Boys. I really, boys. I, I want to be forced you wanna just like to have a kid when you're right. The classic movie premise of like, He's, you know, he's he's a single guy who does his thing, but it was now like, he's got a baby. It was my heroic fantasy. Like, I sure. was like, that's the only heroic thing I could do, you know? I'm never going to know how to, like, act immediately in an emergency, you know? I'm never sure. going to have, like, the ability to save someone. I could if accidentally a baby was dropped off at my feet. Right. It. You'll figure it out. Sure. Right. right. Uh, and you get your friends on board, and it would be charming. And whatever, right, I think right? I just wanted to be the plot of like a big decent WB dramedy. I think more the dramedy. I mean, the Gilmore okay. Girls thing you were saying, you know, life I think, unexpected. Right. Yeah. Um. But so I was all about pursuit of happiness. Sure. That was a mood board movie for me. All right. Because uh, I'm a broken person. Mm. Um. Uh. But th- but that was the thing. Like at that point in time, it was like, you know, he's back to one movie a year. All his movies are hits. Pursuit of Happiness is a little lower budget. This is him making another Oscar movie. But then that overperformed too. Mm-hmm. And it was that corridor for like 10 years where he never did under 100 million. Except for Ali. That was the one. Yeah. This is the and last. And Bagger Vance. Right. But I'm saying yeah. 2000 Bagger Vance. Mm-hmm. Ali, 2001. Oh, but you're saying post Ali. Right, 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 right. Right. And yeah. then yeah. Yeah. he doesn't. Uh, seven Pounds is the next one to not make 100, yeah. right? Do not touch the jellyfish. And that's eight or nine. Uh, seven pounds, two thousand eight. Okay, yeah. So he has. I mean, he's a pretty insane run there. Yeah, he does. And the run before that is also pretty insane. Yes. Uh, and this feels like the last time he so fully handed himself Gave over, himself to, over a director. to a director. One hundred percent. That's a big thing with this movie. Yeah, he. But he unfortunately entered that sort of zone where he's kind of the director. Yes. After that. Right. Yeah. Right. Where he's picking guys who he can probably just boss around. He works with other people. and He works with worse people. But he's always the ultimate say. I think so. Yeah. Except Suicide Squad, of course. Uh, well, yes. Uh, the most twisted movie of them all. His only hit in practically a decade. It's so weird. It's so weird. weird. It's weird to think of that, too, as a Will Smith movie, even though he is very much like the lead. Yeah. Do you agree with me? That he's the lead? Yes. Yes. But it's weird to think of it as a Will Smith movie. He didn't even get a tattoo. He didn't even get the tattoo. You know about this? I heard about yeah. this. He yeah. didn't even. He didn't write squad right. on his. S-K-W-A-D. But also apparently Idris Elba's not playing. I already forgot his name. Uh, Deadshot. 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 No, yeah. apparently he's playing a different character. Yeah. So, so They're not going really... to try uh, James Brody with that. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. Right. They're not going to Don Cheadle uh, Deadshot. 
Yeah. But, um, so maybe Deadshot will return someday. I mean, clearly. We love him. We love He's him. He's a great shot. He's, a He's great, got a kid. He's a great shot. What an He's arc that guy kid. had. I like his tools. Okay. You I mean like, uh, his guns? <laughs> yeah, I was no, but he's got like ricochets. Yeah, he's got like a bunch of oh, sure. He's got business. cool gear, like cool yeah. cases. What would you guys do if they announced the title for the Suicide Squad sequel and it was uh, uh, Suicide Squad uh, Revenge of Slipknot? Yeah, Slipknot's Revenge. Yeah. I'd be all about it. Like it turned out that that was Gun's big take. Right. Was like... Guys. Slipknot got blow, blown up one minute in. We're gonna we're gonna dig into this. We all know that Slipknot died, but what my history <laughs> presupposes like, is, <laughs> what if he didn't? I don't think we know that. And they just hand him the bag of money. All right, introduce our. We guest. have an amazing guest today <laughs> from the New York Times. Yep, Jamal Bowie is here. Hello. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, you've been you've been on the wish list for a long time. I'm a long time listener. That's crazy. Uh, now you that's said truly insane. you have never listened to a podcast that you were on. That's absolutely the so. Case. This is going to be an immediate delete for you. From it'll the feed. show up in my Swipe. feed. Yeah, and I'll press it. I use a bad podcatcher, so I'll have to press make both multiple button okay. presses, but I'll hit delete eventually. Wow, right. wow. I'm a I'm a swiper. Pocket casts. You just swipe. Yeah, more ways than one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you swipe one of my jokes on Twitter recently? Swipe? Like, you know, like, uh, oh, you mean stole? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, oh, you well, joke thief. Well, I'm always stealing your Carlos bits Mencio because over. they just get, like, baked into my brain by this podcast. Wow. It was either Deadpool knowing that he's in a movie or the other one. It was not It was not uh, Logan Secretly a Western. No, I mean, it is. Those though. ones I feel like I've shared custody with you. There was a joke you made. I'll find it. On I'm going to find it. And then I quoted back. You said you have stolen my joke. And I felt right. terrible. And I was I like, I wasn't really trying to steal your joke. The time I made the joke on Twitter, please find it. We'll litigate this in a second. Uh, uh, Jamel, tell me about your relationship with Michael Mann. So my relationship with Michael Mann uh, is that I did not have a relationship with Michael Mann up until the beginning of last year. And I was doing a lot of travel. And I uh, was looking for something to watch on Hulu, mm-hmm. and Thief was on Hulu. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, I know this is a first Michael Man- Michael Mann's first movie. Yeah. I like James Caan. Never seen this before, so I put it on, and I was like, this shit is dope as hell. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is dope a great fucking yeah. movie. That was it pretty much our assessment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that episode yeah. is just us yelling yeah. like Broski, yeah. <laughs> and we make, we talk about pinching each other. <laughs> oh God. Um, Pinch me. I mean, like you had seen man movies, obviously they've been, around, but like you had never really thought about like right, right. Michael I think, Mann I as think, man. I think maybe I had seen Heat, sure, um, which is the one everyone's seen, and I, sure. I had seen Black Hat because when that came out, I remember some friends saying, "Hey, this is actually pretty decent." Yeah, but I never connected it to Michael Mann. I've never sure. thought in any s- systematic way about they were Michael sort Mann. Of isolated right. viewing experiences for you. Okay, um, so I watched Thief, really into it, and again, I'm traveling a lot, and mm-hmm. so. A thing to give myself a thing to do. I said, said I will just watch as many of these as I can. Cool. Um, and so over the course of that month, I was traveling. Then afterwards, I kind of just made my way through every Michael Mann film mm-hmm. in kind of its in chronological order. So you you had an experience very similar to what we're doing yeah. right now. Yeah. You were viewing them all in like the build of the career. Now you hadn't seen Ali when it came out. Not not at all. I am. I would have been like thirteen when that movie came out. Sure. Maybe fourteen. Yeah. Sure. I th- um, I think I was the. I was fifteen. I think. Yeah. I was like 12 or something. Yeah. And it was your brother's favorite movie. It was my brother's favorite movie. My brother was nine at the time. Nine at the time. And, but uh, he liked 
boxing. He liked sports. I'll get into this okay. more in depth, but uh, I, I think I've said this before in the podcast. His birthday, I believe it was his 10th birthday, was inviting a bunch of other 10-year-olds over, and they watched a VHS of Ali. <laughs> It's very strange. It's very strange. It Especially like, since the original cut, I think, is like close to three hours. Right. Long. I just remember like checking in my brother leaning forward, like so fully <laughs> engrossed in like all the like uh, Brotherhood of Islam scenes. Sure. And these other kids just like <laughs> completely asleep. Yes. Because <laughs> it opens with a fight, it closes with a fight, but in the middle there, like right. they're not exactly going to be like, oh, interesting. I didn't know a lot about his third wife. That's yeah. what I'm wondering was like, was it a sleepover birthday party? In which case, maybe the kids tapped out by just going to sleep. The sure. only sleepover where kids tried to not stay up. <laughs> um, but yes, it was a movie that played a lot uh, in my household, weirdly. But you, okay, so you you didn't see it when it came out. Uh, wasn't your kind of thing. Do you have any sort of relationship with Ali or uh, Will Smith? So less Ali. Um, I just wasn't a big sports person yeah. growing up, dude. Uh, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, my whole family was like, mm-hmm. I, I'm the odd one out there. Okay. Like everyone dude, else, very. Into I sports. hear okay. you. Um, where are you from? I don't know where you're from. I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay, okay. Uh, Much like I'm a Stefanski. Shout out, I'm a Stefanski. Uh, but. Will Smith, I feel like I am of the exact yeah. age where Will Smith is sort of a major formative part of, of my entire childhood. Yeah, he was the guy. He right, was right. the movie He star, was the right? guy. He like, was sort when of- When I was yeah. a little kid, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was sort of like at a tight. Yeah. It was, I'm pretty sure every single, I mean, most households, but certainly every black household watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm-hmm. and it was just like a thing that we watched as a yeah. family. Um when uh, Men in Black came out, that was sort of just like, every, we're all going to go see the movie. Yep. And that decade leading up to Ali is kind of, I'm a kid, Will Smith is omnipresent in my pop cultural right. life. Right. Um, because it's not just Men in Black and, and uh, Independence, Independence Day and yeah. even Wild Wild West, um, but also his music career is still ongoing. Yep. Right. Yep. So Big Willie Style comes out, I think, in like 95, 96. Sound, yeah, 97. 97. 97. The millennium, of course, began yeah. in 1999, as right. we all know. Right. Um, so l- listen to a lot of Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, listen to a lot of Big Willie Style. Uh, listen to a lot of Men in Black soundtrack. And also, there was the Men in Black cartoon, mm-hmm. which aired in the late 90s That's as well. Right. I also watched that. It was it kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. I remember that being pretty good. It was yeah. it was pretty like uh like straight faced. Yeah. Like I remember being a little kind of lore heavy, right? Like right, it was right, it was right. yeah, that approach. Right, and pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Will Smith just sort of and even now, I and I say this on Twitter ever so often, like what I want out of Will Smith is for him to sort of like try to recapture some of that magic and kind of give up the whole I need an Oscar in turn yeah. in favor of being I'm a I'm a gigantic charismatic movie star. Let me do more of well, that. Well, it felt like like 2019 was strategically supposed to be the year of him recapturing that. Right. Like, I think the play was three like, big movies. Right. Does Let's he have three? Three movies this year. He's got Aladdin, of course. That's right. Yep. Right. The genie. He is the genie. Right. He's got, um, you know, uh, uh, Gemini Man. Right. His Ang Lee, high frame rate action right. movie. Who knows? And then he's got his coup de grace. That's right. 
The spies. They're in disguise. Spies in disguise. That's right. You see, do you know about spies in disguise? <laughs> no. Oh, <what>? Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is how we're going to end the Firing episode. This is right, how we're yeah, going to end the call. episode. That's a good call. Okay. You'll watch not, the trailer for spies in disguise. We will not touch upon this again until the end <laughs> okay. of the episode. I wish I wish the listeners could see my face. But I was like, spy? What the? Spy, no, the spies. They're just in disguise. They're going to hear your reaction. They'll be fine. All you need to know is the spies are in disguise. But That's queued up. ready for whenever we I remember hearing this rumor that his salary for Aladdin was the biggest uh, any actor had ever been paid. What? Because uh, he was working on, like, a new album that was going to tie into it and was going to do a song for the end credits. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Shout out to Demi. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can't think of that without thinking of Demi now. I heard that scoop and I emailed Demi and he was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, this is what I've heard. And then uh, it, it, like, seemingly hasn't happened. He's become very active on social media. Yes, he has right. a great Instagram account. He I think does. he won the Webby Award. Yeah, I think he, because he must have a whole team. He right. was just like, great. I know comedians who exactly. write for Will Smith now, and right. it's a weird room of people. Right. Like, to his credit, he, he assembled he, a right. very odd room of, like, very different types of comedians and sensibilities. He had the Instagram about Ali. He had a little video yes. about it where he was like, Michael, man, I love the man. He's crazy. Right. I had to like give up my whole salary for this movie. Yeah. Right? Like he had a. I had to train for a year. Like I spent a year just researching. Like, it, I mean, it's kind of a big deal because it sort of falls into that like Tom Cruise eyes wide shut thing of like, I'm going to hand myself over to this yeah. guy and cede all control. At the peak of my start, sure, right, yes, absolutely, and he can just break me and remold me however he wants. Yeah, and he did get a full twenty million dollars for this movie, but it also was like very much a like you don't get to be Will Smith for a year. Yeah, mm, like right. I'm telling what you what you have to study. You know, the big thing Michael Mann did on this movie was he was like in the boxing scenes, we're not going to fake any punches, right. and the only direction he gave the guys uh, that Will Smith was boxing boxing gets is you cannot knock him out. <laughs> and he's mostly boxing against like real boxers. Yeah, Those they're like are, yeah. more boxers than actors. Yes, right, right. Um, but this feels like the year where he's trying to recapture that thing. It was one of the reasons I was kind of excited when he signed on to Suicide Squad. Yeah, because I was like, I I want to see him do a big fun thing, and then that movie ended up being uh not fun. Um, but uh, it, it is that thing. I feel like I, we've talked about this with DiCaprio as well, but DiCaprio is a different example because. He was never like a blockbuster guy outside of the one anomaly of yeah, Titanic. Yeah, he kind of became a blockbuster guy later, weirdly. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. His movies perform well, sure. but we're like, DiCaprio is so fucking innately charismatic that it's a bummer to watch him for years and years try to make these Oscar movies where he tries to sell everyone that he's a serious grown-up. Sure. Because no one else can do Catch Me like, If You Can yeah. or Titanic or any of those other performances. And it's like the same thing with Will Smith where it's just like there are things that no one else can do, that this guy can pull off, and it's a little bit of a bummer when he backs away from it. Right. And even like Gemini Man, I am optimistic about that movie. Sure. In all of its weirdness, but it also feels like that's a movie that a thousand guys could do. I hope he does it well. The only pitch on having him in Gemini Man is... The Fresh Prince thing is the kind of like remember young we've grown up. exactly yeah. we've recreated him in a lab like it's sort of an odd yeah but, but you could do but, a lot of people and the other problem is right it needs to be someone who has that kind of uh, a decades long career where we've grown up with them yeah I mean, Gemini Man honestly sounds like more of a Tom Cruise kind of vehicle. totally it would be such a good Tom Cruise it'd be such vehicle. a good Tom Cruise right. vehicle and I also feel I'd love like Tom Cruise to work with only too. me That'd too be great yeah. um I think it is a problem 
and I kind of, this was my fear when they cast Will Smith. He has aged so fucking well that even when right. in the trailer you see 90s Will Smith and you're like, there is a difference there. There's a difference. It's not that radical. I watched the trailer last night yeah. and I was, when when young, when D-age Will Smith shows up, I my brain had to be like, that is D-age Will right. Smith. He's right. a little right. skinnier in the yeah. face, basically. Right. Like, I mean, kinda... I think they've done what they are trying to do very well. Right. But unlike Tom Cruise, who has aged well, but looks his age. Sure. Will Smith, aside from letting himself get some gray in there, yeah. really does look immaculate. He looks like 38, 39. He, right. looks and that's the other great. thing is watching this, watching Ali, he's, I'm like, he looks so fucking young in this. He does. He like, looks, he looks like he's like 19. Like, he looks like the D.H. Gemini Man right, character yeah. in this. And the hair is <laughs> kind of similar, mm. but he's got the same shape to his face. And you're like, at this point, he's what, 31? Uh, that sounds about right. I mean, he's playing him at about the age he's like right. he is. Yeah, early thirties. But he he just looks like he barely aged in between Fresh Prince and this. Yeah, he would be like thirty two. Right. Yeah, because he's like fifty one or fifty two now. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and he's baby faced in this, so he just looks so. I mean, he the, the, the guy is, looks so fucking hot. He in this has movie. the physique. He has the correct physique. Yeah. Right. Right. But now actors are so like swollen. Yeah. And like you know, even Will Smith in like Suicide Squad, I feel like he's gigantic. Too big. And so when you're looking at this, you're like, oh, he's supposed to be like an athlete. He looks so skinny compared to like the superheroes of today that are so buff. It was always but if you kind look of, at Ali, yeah. like that's what he looked like. Right. He was not like some like gigantic muscled man. No, he looked like an action star, but he always, it, there was something cool to the fact that he was kind of lean. Yeah. Because so many action stars are in reality very short. Right. And there's a lot of weird boxes and smokes and mirrors to make. Stallone look bigger and things like that and right. then he goes so crazy on the muscles that Will Smith was a guy where you're like oh this dude's like actually like six foot one six foot two yeah he's like he, he's a fit basketball player he's That's got like really like. practical yeah. muscles right you know uh, but when you like put him in street clothes you don't have the Schwarzenegger problem where you're like no one's commenting on how insane this guy looks <laughs> yeah, in an office so the sheriff in this small mountain town is apparently <laughs> That's, six foot four that's and the weirdest 220 one. The fact pounds. that that was his comeback movie. Like, I'm done serving <laughs> office. Stand. Now I'm going to make a small town sheriff movie. I actually really enjoy that movie. I, I, I like it, it a lot. Isn't I have it, only it's the heard good, good, the bad, and the weird that. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it a remake, too? It's like a remake of a Korean film or yes, something? Yes, the director's Korean. The director's right, Korean. Right. Maybe it's just the director's Korean. Yeah. I know it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I always heard that movie was fun. In a weird yeah. way, when I was, me and my wife were watching it, I, I said to her, it reminds me a lot of like Unforgiven. Oh, that's cool. In the sense that Schwarzenegger is playing kind of like an older version of his like murder rampage characters. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah, right. Uh, you know what he's really, really good in? The um, the Aftermath, is that what it's called? Uh, or... No, Escape Plan. Really? I've never seen Schwarzenegger's that. Schwarzenegger's really good. He did so many movies that no one saw no, after was, leaving the governorship. crazy. <laughs> yeah. so weird. After, after, after serving as governor yeah. of the largest economy in the United States. Right. right. He has become like a sort of like a centrist Republican statesman yeah. and then makes shitty action movies. It is kind of crazy how hard he dropped the ball because you're like, he's been in office for eight years. He can come back big. And then he was like, I'm just going to do a couple Lionsgate movies. <laughs> they totally get released right. in January like, and yeah. September. Does STX or Summit like you right. know, have like a, a check for me maybe? But you feel like he could have made like his first one back be a big statement. It was uh, the last. I think he just wanted to do stuff. I think he just wanted to work again. But but Will Smith in this moment. Will Smith. Right. Okay. He's coming off that thing. And, and what you were saying was, I, I mean, which I agree with, 
it was this unique thing where I don't think anyone has hit this since him. Eddie Murphy certainly had this going on at his peak, and it feels like the baton was kind of passed from Eddie to Will of, like, king of all media. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got albums. Mm-hmm. His TV show is still running in repeats. We watch it all the time. Of course. Yeah. Like, Fresh Prince His TV never like went out of rotation. No. Right. No. It was canonical. Even though, like, is the Fresh Prince of Bel Air good? Like, I don't think it's that good. But it's but so it's fucking effective. Very watchable. It's like, right. one of the most watchable sitcoms ever. I was obsessed Weirdly. with it when I was a kid, and yeah. then later I would come to it and I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, right. He's it's just sort of, such a compelling screen presence. He is. Like, one he of just, the most just, charismatic performers to ever live. He, he truly is. Yeah, uh, Uncle Phil. That's the yeah, other yeah. thing. You got all these ringers in the cast. Yeah, yeah, James. Like Avery, Alfonso yeah. Ribeiro rules. Sure, James Avery rules. <laughs> I, definitely, the guy who plays the butler rules. He was in um, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the his boy name? who harnessed the wind. Uh, what's his? What is his name? Oh, is that that um the uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor yeah. movie about like the inspirational true story movie about the the kid? The one that he in, directed. Uh, the one that yeah. he directed. He's also in it. He's also really good in it because yeah, because he's a good actor. Yeah. Um, the the boy who in Malawi like built a windmill to like you know uh, re-irrigate his town cool. during a drought, and uh, you know the the chieftain of the town is played by um what's his name Joseph Marcel yeah and uh, Jeffrey yes Jeffrey and like for like you know a few a few acts I was kind of like who is this guy this guy's like got a lot of presence yeah. who is he again and then you realize who he is and he's great <sighs> that rules yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. He harnesses the wind. He Spoiler alert. You spend like two hours being like, is he going to harness <laughs> the wind? And then he's like, he finally gets it going. Yeah, someone got to harness this wind. Stand. Um, yes, but it also it was the thing that I think um, in a pre-social media era, but a point where uh, uh, pop culture was starting to become like massive and promotional opportunities were so broad. Will Smith was one of those guys who would like do everything and whenever he did anything, he committed the same amount of energy to right. it. So it's like if the guy presented award at the MTV Movie Awards, it felt like a fucking moment. Like, you know, anytime he appeared on anything, he did yes. like TRL or did a morning show or did late night. He was night. also the king of kids. Like all right. kids worshipped him. But right. also he was in Bad Boys or whatever. Like everyone liked Will Smith. Everyone loved him. Yeah. So then he's going to play Muhammad Ali. Right. So he does this miracle run uh, uh, that sort of ends with Wild Wild West. Where he kind of like reassesses what's going on, right? Because Wild Wild West is actually like not a bomb, right? Well, well it's I mean, kind it of a bomb. It costs so much. Yeah, it was very expensive. It was a bomb. It was actually yeah, 113 domestic. It made money mm, in terms, but it like I'm cost sorry. like twice as it much. It grossed yeah. money. Sure, it, it lost money. Right, 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 right. Yes. Um. Um. And and then he does Bagger Vance, which is a disaster. I've never seen that movie. I've never, I, never seen it. I well, literally yeah. only know it for its reputation. Right. It's like the right. magical right. Negro. The, the Spike, yeah. That's right. when the Spike ultimate. Lee like started saying that publicly. I feel right. like I yes. don't. I don't know about this. Well, it's about Matt Damon's like a golfer he's who like wants an to golf good. Broken white man. Okay, he's. I didn't realize I think he's it was an alcoholic. That, I just knew he wanted to golf good. Right, and like, uh, and he's, he's I think like Charlie's a, Theron is like his ignored wife. Sure. Okay. But he's like he's like a you know cl- your classic like. Broken man, anti-hero, right. who can't quit the bottle. I'm pretty sure he's an alcoholic. No, you're it. probably right. I don't. There must be something going on with and him. And then Will Smith appears out of nowhere as a magical caddy. Oh Will Smith God. is a magical, but he's like a phantom, right? And he, he's like, right. A, and he fixes him and then disappears. Yeah, yeah I pretty think much. He like yeah. disappears into you know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yep, and it was directed by Robert Redford. It was directed by Robert. Redford. Was it really? Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, that was a big thing. But so Hollywood has it like. 
hasn't kept that like problematic sort of like <laughs> no what are you talking characterization. Green Book won Best Picture. We we solved racism. Oh, it was okay. Lucy wasn't a phantom in that. How incredible <laughs> would that have been? <laughs> if at, at the, the end, end of Green Book, Book yeah. yeah. Don like, Shirley Vigo, steps out to the snow and then he slowly looks behind him and yeah. there's no one there the whole time. Hey, where'd he go? <laughs> what the fuck? What if at the end of Green Book there was a you montage? You told me I drove all that way for a ghost who could teleport? <laughs> what if at the end of Green Book there was a montage where Vigo replayed the trip in his head and it turned out that it was like a player piano? Right, right. There was, he was throwing chicken wings in the back and they right. were just landing on the seat. It's just a pile of... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, The Legend of Bagger Vance. It was directed by Robert Redford. It was Robert Redford was picking Damon as his, like, he was like, much like in the 90s where he kept working with Pitt. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's like, you're my guy. Like, you're the next Redford. And and, then, and, you know. and Will Smith, it was like, you're the next, like, Poitier. I feel like that was the pitch. God knows, probably. Right. God knows how Robert Redford thought about The Legend of Bagger Vance. Right. And that was in that weird period where, like, Charlize did tons of failed uh, yeah. prestige She played projects. a lot of wives. And and, uh, and was bad in all of them. And it was like, why do people keep hiring her? She's not good in these movies. Yeah. And then she immediately became great. She's so like, good. it was like once she was in good movies. Yeah, she, she rules. And they gave her real characters to play rather than long-suffering wives. Yeah. But that, like, Man of Honor, she's, like, really no, you're, bad you're, in. you're right. You're right. Bagger Vance, she's, I, I think, bad in. I think that's reputation. I mean, none of us will ever watch this movie. But that seemed like... I'm going to watch it. <laughs> well, just to prove us wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That felt like that was, like, the straight down the middle. Like, this is Smith. He's gunning for Best Supporting Actor. Mm -hmm. Like, Oscar play. And then everyone hated it. And he was like, cool, I'm going to make a movie with, like, integrity. And he had been attached to Do Ali for years and years and years. Uh, different people came in and out. Different people wrote scripts. He was always sort of loosely like, I would like to do an Ali movie. And I feel like Ali had publicly said, like, I approve of this casting, which was a big thing. Right. But I remember even, like, the little bubbles in, like, the fucking Nickelodeon magazine being mm -hmm. like, up next, an Ali movie. Like, they would say, like, when they were doing their profiles, like, in kids' magazines, they'd always be like, and he's trying to make a movie about the world's greatest boxer. Here are some of the versions of this movie that almost happened. Yes. There was a script called Power and Grace, which mm -hmm. is a very lame title. Yep. Uh, that was focused on Ali from age 12 to 40, probably mm -hmm. more of a classic biopic. Yeah. A lot about his dad, who is in this movie, yeah. but is not a character. No. Uh, Ron Howard was going to direct right. it. Right. I can, I can, I can, I know what that movie exactly. is. I can yeah. see You've it seen in my like yeah. Cinderella Man or right. whatever. Like, yes, I mean, it would have been a very straightforward. I don't know the friends we made along yeah. the way. But this kind is of even like thing. Ransom era. Sure, Ron Howard. Sure. You know, or like, like a few yeah. years from like Apollo thirteen or whatever. Right. right. He's sort of like, oh, it's like he could do you a stately biopic. Right. And this is ironically the year that he wins Best Picture and Best Director. This That's same right. year for making a stately biopic. Right. Yes. Right. About phantoms. About fa about mind men phantoms. who weren't there. Um. All right. And then during Wild Wild West, and this is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Will Smith says to Barry Sonnenfeld, "Like, make Ali. Like, you here, should here's do the it. script. We're You're gonna make Ali. You're clearly the guy to make you. Ali. Barry Sonnenfeld. Who I like. Barry Sonnenfeld. I do too. I enjoy Men in Black. I enjoy the Adams Family. I think movies. we love all of his movies up to Wild Wild West. Right, and then he never recovers, right? No. He doesn't make, like, another good movie. We, like, always consider covering him on the podcast because we like those first four right. so Ad much. Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values, Get Shorty, Men in Black. Like, right. that's great. Right. That's a great first four. Right, and then the rest of them are... Wild Wild West, Big Trouble, Men in Black 2, RV, Men in Black 3. Nine the one, Lives. The one where Kevin Spacey's a cat. Yeah. yeah. Ex so, wait, 
Ex- excuse me on that last one? <laughs> uh-huh. Well, Kevin Spacey, we all know him. He's a bad dad. He loves his career and he doesn't spend enough time with his kids. Which, of course, is a so whole new beca- plot. <laughs> this, has become, this has become a cat to spend time with his kids and then learns the value of being a father. he's cursed into cathood. He is, is cursed correct? by Christopher Walken. I believe his kids demand that they adopt a cat and he goes and Christopher Walken, essentially playing the same role he played in Click, is like, I got a very special cat for you. Okay, right. And he's the cat. This cat's got real soul. It's your soul. And then he turns Kevin Spacey into the cat. And I think the kids think the dad's on a work trip. Okay. I tried watching this once. Right. Jennifer Garner, I believe, plays Kevin Spacey's wife. This is a good reminder yep, of correct. however much I think I watch a lot of movies. There's, there's just a whole world of movies, of movies <laughs> that I will never see or hear of. Um, yes. In Australia, we all, as we all know, Nine Lives was titled Mr. Fuzzy Pants. <laughs> Better title. Um, I Better title. This, anyway. was, this was a Europa Corp movie. I think you're right. When like Luc Besson raised a ton of money and was like, we're a studio now. We're going to finance our own movies and we're not just going to make Besson films. We're going to make family films. <laughs> and he made this disastrous movie that cost like $60 million. Yeah, uh, because everyone figured Kevin Spacey, perfect lead for a family film. It's cr- It's crazy. Right. It's a crazy thing but to do. But the whole movie anyway. is like CGI cat with internal Kevin Spacey monologue a la Garfield. Yeah, like right. they really expect me to eat that, that kind of stuff. Right. Anyway, he could have made the cat just Ollie. constantly monologues. He didn't get you to and make... I both know there are no crimes in art. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> let um... me be catty. <laughs> uh, Columbia still giving me a thumbs Columbia up. still has the movie. This is yeah. a Columbia movie, right? And and uh, and Will Wild Smith flops. Columbia sort of was becoming one of Will Smith's. Home studios. It is his home studio. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Until recently. Yes. Um, Wild West flops. Sonnenfeld is fired or whatever. Yeah. Is gently mm-hmm. nudged aside. Um, Michael Mann is he's just made the insider. So he's now on board with Eric like Roth. Guy. Yeah. Eric yeah. Roth who wrote the insider with him. They're going to redo the script. Michael Mann declines. He was going to make the aviator. Turns it down to make this movie. Yeah. He was going to make shooter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was really going to make Shooter. It says here that he was. I think he to was going shooter. to adapt the book. I don't think it would have resembled the Shooter movie we got in any way. The Shooter movie is pretty bad. And there's another one they said he turned Savages, out. which right. Oliver Stone eventually made, right? Which I've never seen. But that's this other thing in the '90s. Uh, uh, man keeps on developing biopics that don't go anywhere. He becomes one of these guys who just does years and years of research. He wanted to make a James Dean movie for a long time. Sure. sure. Uh, the Howard Hughes thing was always floating around. Right. Like, uh, and he hasn't made a biopic up until this point. Right. Um, but he's one of these guys where if like well, he finds a person. Well, The Insider is kind of a biopic. A little bit. A it's, little bit. it's a true story movie, I I'd guess. say it's a yeah. little more of a true story movie. But yeah, it's kind of a biopic. Right. Uh, and uh, Manhunter is kind of a biopic. No, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so he totally rewrites the script as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I think I think his and Roth, him and Roth like wrote the script. Yeah. They're given a $105 million budget. Big movie. Uh, they shot it all over New York, Chicago, Mozambique is where yeah. they shot uh, a lot of the stuff that's said in Zaire. And uh, Will Smith trained for a year as a boxer. And he looked good. He, he looks, looks good. He like looks great. The physicality and like the performance of the fighting is well done. Really well done. And yeah. then the movie came out and uh, it was a box office disappointment. And I yeah. feel like people were just like, yeah, it's weird. It's kind of like cold. Yeah, it's kind of chilly and long. Not right. into it. Yeah, it's weird. I don't Reviews know. Reviews were l- very bad. Yeah. It was like, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. 
So my thing at this time, and it gets two Oscar nominations, which were both surprises. People did not think it was going to get Oscar nominations. It kind of sort of. I feel like the Void thing was a total surprise, and Will Smith went from being like the presumed front runner to, to being like he he's in. on the bubble. He's yeah. maybe five or six. Also, because two thousand one is like a really big year. Yeah. Like that's a you know Lord of the Rings, obviously, but also Beautiful like, Mind, Beautiful Mind, Moulin Rouge. These right. are in the bedroom, like you know. It, What's the fifth Best Picture nominee? Gosford Park, of course. Oh, but like that's the year of like Mulholland Drive, Monsters Ball, Training yeah, Day. Ball, training, yeah, this was training a big year. Day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ollie, so you did not see Ollie in theaters. Not see Ollie in theaters. So you saw it in your man sort of rewatch. Right. I assume you did not see Ollie in theaters. I saw Ollie in theaters. Oh, okay. I All saw right. the shit out of Ollie in theaters. All right. Congratulations. I have a very visceral memory of uh, seeing Ollie in theaters uh, right when uh, you know cold season was starting. Or really hitting in the doldrums of December. It was this movie came out Christmas Day, which is a very bad that's time a very trip. that's a very yeah. strange. I would have I would have imagined this is sort of like a April movie. That's that would probably have been a better time to release this movie. Almost I, any time would have been a better time. Summer, Christmas. summer, you could yeah. do. I believe I saw this movie on December twenty sixth. Like uh, I sure. feel like yeah. I saw this movie the day after Christmas with just my mom and I. Yeah, which was weird that I didn't see it with my dad and my brother. It is weird. They maybe had already seen it. Maybe, but your brother's little. Maybe they. Uh, who knows? He who knows? saw this. I'm shit sure he in saw theater. it. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, yes. Not disrespecting James E. Newman. Please. Viewing of Ollie. How dare you disrespect James? Sure. Uh, I saw it with my mom, and I have this very visceral memory of uh, for a very long academic film uh, that I had been blowing my nose too much in the days before my runny nose, and my nose was very chapped. Sure. Watching Ollie. This is your visceral memory. And I still enjoyed it, despite the fact that I was like actively like itchy nose knows. and the fact that it was like two hours and 40. Right. I remember being very engrossed by it, uh, which I found surprising, especially when people were writing it off as like, yeah, the thing kind of doesn't work. Right. Now, uh, my father, big boxing fan. My father wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Uh, we talked about this, but he did a thing called sports phone. That was what gambling addicts would call up if they wanted the scores of the games that had just happened. They needed a quick answer uh, before the internet. They couldn't wait until the paper to find out whether or right, not they right. were going to have to go on the run. <laughs> uh, my father was also a gambling addict at this time. He was Precision Pete Newman, and he did that, and he wanted to be sports broadcaster. And then he got his one on-camera shot, which is he hosted a documentary called, I think, Muhammad Ali, One More Miracle. That was about him coming out of retirement in the mid 80s, which is one like he because he would always come out of retirement to yeah. make more money. And it was kind of sad. It was and the, he was too old. It was the worst know. one. It was the worst one. <laughs> it and so was they, like the one where everyone was like, what manager is like making him do this? It's on Vimeo. You can watch. Yeah, it. Uh, I believe my father is the one who uploaded it. Is that possible? <laughs> can you check? Jeez. Peter Newman. Yep. Thank uh, you. He had it digitized. Right. Uh, but it's yes, it's Muhammad Ali kind of kind of chonky. He looks a little chunky. With a mustache. And there's my father, full Jufro, interviewing Muhammad Ali. Your dad was so Albert Brooksy. I didn't, so Albert you know, Brooksy. I know your dad now, obviously. Yes. But. Um, uh, Howie Mandel, also people on the street would stop him and yell, hey, Mandel, you think you're too big for me? Because <laughs> he refused to sign autographs. He'd be like, I'm not Howie. Go, oh, oh, what, Mandel, you get on TV a couple times and now you think. <laughs> he truly, people would get angry at him. But this is my father's profile picture on LinkedIn on every like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right, thing right. is him interviewing Ali here because that was like his uh, moment of pride. And he watched the thing and he was like, I suck on camera. My right. father, uh, you might notice in this shot, uh, all you see is, not, is the uh, back turned. of his head. Like he couldn't figure out how to be on camera. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're looking at like a, a Brillo pad. Um, <laughs> That's really true. This is not how you set this up. No, no. Um, 
And uh, so Muhammad Ali was like a very big figure in my childhood. His regular bar uh, in the 80s before my mother uh, uh, made him uh, quit uh, gambling in order to as a condition for them getting married was this place called Jimmy's Corner in uh, uh, right off of Times Square. Uh, that is still my favorite bar in New York City. Uh, that is uh, this guy, Jimmy Glenn, who was like a boxing corner man. And the bar is just filled with like incredible actual boxing memorabilia. And uh, the fun thing about Jimmy's Corner is it's on like 45th uh, off of uh, Broadway. Right. And you're like, how does this place afford to stay open in Times Square in this day and age with beers that cost $2.50? Sure. And the answer is, I found out many years later that uh, Jimmy did a favor for the uh, patriarch of the family that owns the real estate. And that patriarch uh, promised that as long as he was alive, sure. Jimmy's rent would never go up. Wow. And the name of that family was Durst. <laughs> oh, great, great. But the, the, the daddy Durst, right? Not the, not the, the, Ultimate the bad Papa son, Durst. right? Ultimate Papa Durst. Um, <laughs> but flash forward, mm. I'm young. My brother, very physical, big sporto, has a lot of aggression. I have a lot of sadness in me <laughs> and don't like moving. Mm. Hate the feel of air on my skin. I really like and sympathize with this a lot. Right? This, this is, is this. The, you don't like air on your skin. Fair yeah. enough. Too, right. too much. Sure, sure. My brother and I will fight all the time. Yeah. I will fight verbally. He right. will fight. He'll just sort of leap on you and. And start wailing. Yeah. And then I'll just scream and then my parents will come and break us up. Right. And it was a very weird dynamic in my childhood mm -hmm. where my parents would be like, you have to punch him back. <laughs> right, right. This, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And my parents were constantly trying to encourage me to punch my brother. Rather than saying to you, they're just like, James is going to punch you. It's right. going to happen. They were like, we're right. trying Too to much deal energy. with the James right. punching right. thing. We can't figure out how to like, because he would wail on other kids too. Sure. If he like he got like, energetic. he was like Tasmanian devil. Sure. And uh, he he just couldn't kind of express himself. And now my brother is he's a very, very well-adjusted person. Yeah, he's your, your brother's great. But at the time, he had a lot of uh, a lot of energy. So my parents, in trying to figure out a way to get me to defend myself, uh, had me start taking uh, boxing lessons with oh, Jimmy Glenn. Boy. Oh wow! This real corner man oh, at boy. like a boxing gym that smelled like uh, twelve uh, ball sacks. That's what all boxing gyms <laughs> right. smell. The like. worst smelling place. And I was like nine years old. And once a week after school, my dad would pick me up and I'd have to box with a bunch of old sweaty men. Jesus. And I hated it. Oh, you didn't like that? I oh, you weren't into it? hated it. It wasn't really your vibe? So much. <laughs> God, and the only miserable. benefit to it was that afterwards, because my father had to go back to work and do more work after that, sure. he would bring me back to his office right. before we went home. And my dad had the internet right. in right. his office, right. which we didn't have at home. No. Right. So I was like... I just got to get like punch an old guy for an hour <laughs> right. and then I can go to the Lego website. <laughs> you know, like that was like my life for like two years. So I was like in a weird boxing world. Yeah. Okay. I didn't like it at all. But you were at least being told the basics of boxing. And I was like living and I was seeing these guys and they were sure. explaining to me the psychology of the whole thing. And my brother was so jealous that I got to do it. And then this weird thing happened, which was simultaneously my parents finally listen to my pleas right. and stop making me take boxing lessons. Sure. And they took the risk of letting James take boxing lessons and James totally leveled out. Right, because all his energy could be expended. Like, and like yeah, the strategy right. of the whole thing right. and he's like become like the least violent person in the world. Yeah, he's, he's um, very chill. Your brother's pretty chill. He's very chill. And my yeah. brother almost became a professional boxer. Oh, wow. Yeah. He like got his Golden Gloves license. Uh, he is a 5'6 Jew 
there was a narrow category in which he could have had but a career. There were little boxers, right? There are. Featherweights and right, all that. Right, and they were like, this is the best Jewish boxer we've seen since. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of energy, and my brother's got kind of like a, a good good body since build, like, despite being a short guy. Right. And and he was really smart about sort of the, the chess game of boxing, the psychology of the whole thing. Um, but so this movie has a weird uh, importance in like my family. Because this was like happening in the nexus of all of these things, you know, it's like when my brother wants to be a boxer and I hate that I'm still going to boxing lessons. This movie maybe comes out right when that like handover is happening. Right. Um, so I I was just like fully into it. engrossed by it. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen a Michael Mann movie before. Sure. I don't know if I'd ever seen this I had seen the inside. unconventional biopic before. Yeah. I certainly was a hardcore Oscar kid at this point where if something was tapped in that kind of You're way. Intrigued. And you like Will Smith. And I love Will yeah. Smith. Um, but I just remember being very engrossed by this thing mm-hmm. and the sort of um, th- how much it was a like uh, a, a, a sort of a time and place uh, political struggle movie. Yeah. Like, I think I was worried it was going to be a sports film. I mean, in retrospect, right. watching Ali knowing that 2001 is 9-11 happened, and then the next couple years of American society is just... Yeah. And I grew up in a very heavily military place. Where, okay. I, where I grew up, it was the kind of place where if in 2002 you said, oh, I don't know, maybe if going to war is a good idea, people are going to slit like, yeah, they your would, tires. They're yeah, going to beat right. the shit out of you. Right. Um, and so just thinking about this movie in... That focuses on this particular part of Ali's life. It was poorly timed, perhaps. Poor, not just poorly, but just <laughs> yeah. like it, it, it kind of like in this way where it anticipates where American culture is about to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like very, very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's a good uh, point. I mean, this movie kind of goes over like everything that the next eight years would be arguing about in in American culture. Totally. Um, you know, it is. Uh, uh, it, I feel like one of the earlier examples of the we're not going to try to make a complete biopic we're going to just focus in on a thing right let's let's sort of pick out like sort of a chunk of his life and yeah. and, and focus on it right his, we're not going to have a scene that starts with him as a 10 year old right. his dad's like all right Cassius right. you know here are my hands you gotta hit him that's a jab <laughs> right like, and like you compare this to like I always wanted to be the greatest right like, exactly or he's born and his mother's like let's call him Cassius Clay right yeah but what? he can change it later if he'd like right. Right. <laughs> which is like Ray a couple of years later Ray is a hundred percent money Ray and is gets like, all the Oscar nominations and is the most didactic like right let's just lay it end to end he right. started here and he ended here let's make yeah and let's and have it the ends last with him scene, getting the key to Georgia literally right. him being get, like yeah they're like and now Georgia on my mind is the state song of Georgia right and you like freeze and tur- he turns into a painting <laughs> <laughs> right it's like like people still wanted that like even sure. critics seemingly wanted more of that. And yeah. this is a weird example because it's well, not. I think it was the stakes of this were so high. This was the Ali movie, right? And I think people were kind of like, "This is what you did for the." Ali I think it was movie? burned like, by the idea of right. they're going to make the definitive, right. yeah, Ali life story. And Ali is a big. He's a long life. Yes. Like it's you know, probably a, a standard biopic would be really boring and really choppy. Like you'd have to just sort of like. Okay, and now he did this fight now, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, right. you'd have to if you were going to do a standard biopic and not have it be four hours long, you would have to sort of just jump the first his first like ten years of his life is like half the movie, yeah, and then sort of everything between that and sort of like the nineties is like yes. twenty minutes, yeah, and all and the then, political stuff would be very fast, yeah. 
it would be like one scene he's like well i'm not going to vietnam and then like two minutes later it's right. like we got the call you're, you're, you're all clear where it's like the first <laughs> you, can, you can do the rumble in the jungle now the first 45 minutes of this movie Malcolm X is essentially a co-lead. Yeah, right. I'd argue they have near equal He's so screen good. times. He's so good. I, Which, think, I think I was when I was just watching this yeah. uh, on the way up to New York. Um, I was like, this is maybe the best performance of Malcolm X on film. I, I, that think, is, I think it's the yeah. most accurate. Right, I mean, like, right, like right, right. It's a very, Denzel's incredible. Oh, that, sorry, yeah, I forgot about Denzel. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like hey, Denzel. Hey, listeners, I saw Malcolm <laughs> X. Great film. I love it. But I mean, Denzel's, ignore Denzel. Denzel's, you know. He's great in Malcolm X. Yes. That, and it is kind of crazy to think, right, there was like, we're going to have to do Malcolm X like only a few years removed from this very sort right. of definitively regarded performance. Yeah. But Denzel's very big. Yeah. He's yeah. very uh, charismatic. He's playing younger Malcolm X, who right. is much less sort of, you know, stately. I mean, that you know, movie and- is far more conventional in covering like almost everything. Right. Well, you that know? movie it's is just frankly like it's going to be long. That right. movie's four hours long. Right. Right. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? I think it is. Yeah. It's like it's very over long. three. Yeah. yeah. I'll say, let me, let me amend my previous okay. statement. I'll say that this performance of Malcolm X is captured a side of Malcolm X that you don't normally get in performances of Malcolm That's, X. That's, I think, is the big sort right. of the Which, Sort of the very introspective, yeah. very Incredibly searching. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Because uh, people, you expect him to come in and be, right, just being like, you know, spouting lines and sort of have with one-liners about, you know, the only, I only like my coffee. The only integration I like is in my coffee. Like, right, you know, right. jokes and sort of, <laughs> right, you know. People tend to uh, uh, front and center the righteous anger. Sure, sure. Which yeah. I think is also part of the continuing narrative of trying to make Malcolm X seem scary. Sure. Right. And I think with, with Spike Lee and Denzel Washington, those are both angry guys. You know, I think they were trying to make a very accurate biopic that still is. But that movie gets to the sort of quieter. Oh, oh it, it just totally gets does. To it, it, it totally takes does. A while, right, but know. but they are both you know very like outsized. But I feel when Ali's meeting Malcolm yeah. X is when Malcolm X is sort of like, "Am I into this? You know, what I mean? yeah, like, yeah. he's right. at that point. Right. Is the right way. He's like, yeah. "Is this working?" Like, which is very shocking to see. And also, Mario Van Peebles is an actor who usually plays it pretty cool. Yeah, you don't usually see this much vulnerability out of him so to see him doing that and to see him doing that in service of this character who we've never seen this sort of vulnerable and self-doubting like this i love him but what what's the deal with him i don't know why does he mostly make like junky action movies and then occasionally he'll be like by the way like i am like a proper actor who like after badass i thought he was gonna have this like career revival because like and he directs that too and it's so good and then he's sort of gone back to doing like... And then he's like, great, can I do the Carlito's Way sequel? Right. You know, like, can I do... Or he's like directed a bunch of the like straight to VOD Nick Cage movies. Right. Like, he, he's got a very weird career. I don't have a lot of takes on Mario Van people. So yeah. he's great in this movie. Yeah, he's great in this movie. And that scene where uh, where uh, Ali is like, I, I, I can't talk to you. Uh, the <sighs> one in the uh, outside in the, the hotel. Yeah. yeah. I thought that's... That seems brutal. It's very brutal. You're like, I, I've never seen anyone depict Malcolm X as low status before. Right. Just which de- is kind of Low shocking. status, dejected. Yeah. Kind right. of depressed. Yeah. Right. Like, and like without purpose in a way. Like, you know, like looking for a purpose. Whereas yeah. you think of him as such a like leader of a movement. And here he's kind of like, oh, I can't hang out with you guys. Yeah, I guess. Right. You know, like. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's this immediate interesting thing with the movie is you go like the first 10 minutes 
are cutting back and forth between Sam Cooke performing. That shit's so good. And the like, opening of this movie Will is Smith just running. I think it's some of the best filmmaking man's ever done. It's so <laughs> good. It's so good. The, I really like Ali. I do think it can never quite match no. the energy of that no. first half hour. But it is one of those things where you go, those 10 minutes, you're like, okay, people are sitting down. It's the biggest movie star in the world sure. making a biopic of one of the most beloved Americans who now we all accept he was always in the right, right? Like <laughs> It's kind of... Well, who, well, who among us ever didn't like Muhammad Ali? Right, right. right. Well, that, that, that is definitely true. That everyone's there's like, that thing like Colin Kaepernick where they're like, this is not the right way to be a political athlete. Muhammad right. Ali never did anything like this. And people are like, ahem, 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 Uh Sure. But that's the other kind of crazy thing is this movie like is just relitigating all the times that America was angry at Muhammad Ali yeah. and being like, you gotta, you gotta live with this shit. But the first 10 minutes to be like, oh, we're starting here. Sure. Like we're starting like this late into his career. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing so, the build. No. It's starting right before he wins the title. Yeah. Which the, like, the Liston fight, which is like Ali was the sort of brash, you know, people were like, oh, this this guy's too mouthy. You right. know, he's all talk. And Sonny Liston was seen as a sort of like, oh, he's like an upstanding athlete. They're, they're, yeah. That's the kind of guy we should, you know. Don't you think, though, most people would have made the film that started with him like walking into the gym for the first time sure, and ended with him, him winning Olympics, this title. You know, or the any, Olympics right. is sort yeah. of his first uh, like coming out moment when he wins the gold in 1960. Like yeah. that's, yeah. I also don't think a more conventional version of the story would have included the kind of, I think still today kind of surprising stuff of him encountering the picture of Emmett Till yeah. as yeah. a kid and oh, sort yeah. of the like the radical, basically the, his, his story of radicalization of like becoming very politically, uh, uh, disillusioned right. and kind of disconnected from mm-hmm. kind of mainstream black politics. Well, and it's also this movie about like celebrity. It's about right. so much the like, what is your responsibility as a celebrity? The thing that keeps on being brought up of the like, I thought you wanted to be like the people's champion. Right. Sure. You know? We were talking about this about how Public Enemies sort of has that right. strain to it too. Right. Yeah. That was, yeah. Uh, of like, right, how America kind of lionizes and then bites back and sometimes in the same motion, right, you know? I mean, I don't think it's just on this theme. Like, a thing that stuck out to me is just the fact that, you know, Jeffrey Wright's character is always present with the camera, always documenting. And even um, the Malcolm X character always has a camera with him. Yes, right. Um, And that that shit's not an accident about what the movie's trying to say about sort of how the world perceives you, your responsibility to the world, all that. And and from minute one, I mean, he's fighting, obviously, but, like, we're, we're seeing, like... His and the fact that his relationship with um, freaking hell, uh, Howard Cosell is so important right. and like it's like right. one of the more emotionally like truthful relationships right. in his life. And, and I even would say though also, mostly it's just them doing bits, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. But not only that, I would say it's one of the more uh sort of uh vulnerable, intimate uh, relationships depicted in any Michael Mann movie. Uh, that's romantic true. or not. Like you rarely have friendship in Michael Mann movies. True. It's right. usually uneasy alliances. Yeah. Yeah. Usually friendship in Michael Mann movies is sort of like. I respect you. Right, 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 I right. would shoot you if I had to, right. but I respect what you do. You're a professional. Like, and, you know, and obviously, I want to murder you. <laughs> right, right. 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 <laughs> and love in Michael Mann movies, like sexual love is usually like a woman shooing at a man and the man going like, I can't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this movie? Jada Pinkett is With like, the exception of Last of the Mohicans. Right, which is actually quite a swooning yet. movie yes. and yeah. he hasn't seen right. that I one will yet. have seen it by the time um, you've listened to this But you're right. Episode. That's like yes. him in this much swoonier mode that is unusual for him. But- in this movie, Jada Pinkett especially is like really sexy. Like yeah. that's sort of like the thing with her. Yeah. She's forward and she's like, you know, her own person and 
you know, Muhammad Ali's like, I've never met anyone like you. Like, she's exciting. Like, she's only in the movie for like five minutes, but no. she's so exciting. All, all three of his uh, his lovers in this film have far more agency than most Michael Mann women because they all kind of actively pursue him. Right, 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 right. 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 They, but, yeah. but yes, I do think the whole reason why he starts it with this guy just doing his sort of methodical running right before he's going to have, you know, the first massive you know, potentially life-changing match of his life yep. uh, is because he's interested in what responsibility does this guy have the second he's placed on that stage, you know? Mm. Like, he's not interested in what Muhammad Ali had to do to get to that moment. Sure. Because the movie he's interested in is, here's a guy, it's like the, you know, this some are born great, becomes, some have right. greatness yeah, thrust yeah, upon yeah, them. Yeah. Like, here's a guy who innately is, much like Will Smith, so charismatic, mm-hmm. so beautiful. Right. So smart, so engaging, so funny. And he also is this incredibly gifted athlete. And that places him at the center of the culture. Mm -hmm. And this guy, in that moment, trying to wrestle with how he feels about the culture and his own identity and what he wants to do with that position in terms of trying to change that for other people. Uh, Which I think just throws everyone off. That it's like, here's a movie where you like have boxing scenes that are very long. And like very visceral. Yeah. And don't have a lot of catharsis in them. No, they're trying. I think they're probably trying to get the sort of uh, actual details of the fights, yeah, like right. down, right. Yeah. And those are like you know, like the- when you see the rumble in the jungle, and as like everyone who doesn't, anyone who knows boxing knows that was kind of a boring fight, right? Because it's so much of Ali just taking a pounding and just waiting, like you know. And I feel like the two... It's not like Creed where it's like, holy right. shit, yeah, like yeah, every yeah. second yeah. of this is like my body's on fire and right. he's like dodging and he's so, it's so cool. It's just like punch, 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 wrap him up, punch, punch, punch over and over again. But that's real boxing. Right, that's, I know. That's that's strategy. Strategy. That's boxing is yeah. kind of boring. Yeah. 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 Um, I also feel like that's... Uh, watching this, I was like, what are the reasons why boxing films are so successful? It's weird that there is that much success in boxing as opposed to other sports considering boxes, boxing's popularity in relation to other sports. Mm. But I think, A, it's the fact that it is uh, a solitary sport. Yes. Mm-hmm. That you only have to track two people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could do a binary, like, here's who you're rooting for, here's their opponent. You don't have to deal with a bunch of people on a field. And the other thing is, because it is just two people in a ring, you can kind of choreograph boxing and make it sort of ecstatic in the same way you can with, like, a musical number. Right. You know? Totally. Um, and you can build those sort of emotional arcs into it. Yeah, and also boxing ends when you knock someone out. I mean, it doesn't have right, to, but it can. Right, and but there's a clear like so triumphant. catharsis. Right. right. Um, and brutal. Right. Yeah. But that's the thing. This movie like leans on the brutality of just like, you're in this really tight, you're hearing their breathing. I mean, and this is uh, one of the things I just find interesting about the movie is sort of like man kind of experimenting with digital photography. Oh my mm-hmm. God. He switches between so many yeah. formats in that frame. I forgot he was then, doing it this early. And in it's those fights, so like, the, 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 like the, the most visceral like hits, yeah. he films in digital. Yes. Or like uses the footage from the digital photography, which right. creates this very interesting effect of you're kind of in this like warm cinematic fight mm-hmm. and, and all then of you a sudden their perspective yeah right. all of a sudden just like what the, what the fuck right <laughs> like that it's right. very weird because yeah. that's like I, I think the big thing he's experimenting with with digital is just like how do I make this more aggressive yeah mm-hmm. you know how do I take the varnish off of this and place people in these like uncomfortable worlds and that I'm interested you in you never get that close 
No, in a, to, when you're uh, like at the event or watching it on TV, yeah. and it really it like it's ben, so visceral. Do you visceral. like boxing? Are you a I big boxing, boxing fan? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know this about you. Yeah, um, I didn't. I, I couldn't. Our family didn't afford like pay per view or HBO, so yeah. I didn't really get to watch it growing up. But I love boxing, really? and I uh, boxed many years uh, when I was living in Jersey City. You boxed many you years. You got the frame for it. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, I, you you I, do look like one of the guys that Rocky beats at the beginning of Rocky. Right. Yeah, you look like I was, Spider Rico. I, I was thinking more of one of the guys in like the gym Matt Sp- Murdock goes to in Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I love boxing. Uh, so I was really into this movie. Yeah. I'd never seen it before. And, oh wow! And the yeah, the visual filmmaking of uh, of all the fights. Those close-ups and just the tight sort of framing was so cool to see. I also think the lack of music during the mm-hmm. fights, because he uses music so well in the rest of the movie, and then the fights he's really making you live with, like, you barely hear, like, crowd cheering or anything yeah. like that. Like, that's toned down, and it's just, like, the dull sound of the punches, oh, yeah. and they're sort of breathing in the steps. Uh, there's also never, they never cut to, like, the, you know, corner guy being like, oh, no, he's got to do this, or, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, even when there's the thing in his eye, which is something that happened during the listen yeah. fight that he couldn't see all yeah. of a sudden, and they never know if that was like sabotage or just some weird shit that happened. Right. Like you kind of know that that's happening, but you don't really get why it's stopped. You know, like it's just all being replicated for well, you. All you these deal characters, with it. like the uh, Ron Silver, Ron Silver, Paul Rodriguez, looking amazing. Jeffrey Ron Wright, Silver. between Jeff- the three of and them, Jamie Fox looking, yeah, Jamie looking, Fox. Insane. Oh yeah, looking no. great. But but Jamie Fox oh has like dialogue scenes. No, he does, he does. He does. But you're right. Those like, other three guys Jeffrey are. Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. He's always in it. Rarely talks. He's playing a guy who was famously a stutterer and didn't talk much. Right. And, and was when he does Malcolm, talk, you hear him. Malcolm Muhammad Ali's biographer. Yeah, he was yes. kind of like the documentarian of of the crew. Right. 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 Who was always around. But Ron photos. Silver, who was like his corner man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Dundee. Right. I was gonna say like like those three characters probably have less than ten lines of dialogue between them. And a three-hour movie right and they are if you were saying like oh, i'm gonna make an ollie movie they're all characters you'd be like well they're gonna be pivotal right and they're yeah. in almost and every scene like as you ever said present. you're but like jeffrey wright must have worked almost every single day on this right. movie but this is such an ever-present movie right where it's like even ali is sort of like inscrutable in his you know like you're always with him right we're like we're staying with him yeah but he doesn't have like monologues where he you know, explains what's going on in his head or anything like that, right? Right, and you're so happy that, like, Dundee doesn't have a scene where he's, like, outside on a smoke yeah, break and he yeah. talks to Jada Pink and he's like, I'm worried about him for the first time. <laughs> right, that shit. Wait, what were you going to say? I was going to say, you're, uh... To the extent that sort of like we get any like real interiority with Ali, it's like during the physical moments, like yeah. when he's running, sure. when he's fighting, right. sort of that's when you kind of get into his head. Because those are the moments that he's like not performing. Right. Or sometimes when he's with women, like, yes. you know, yes. they, yeah. especially the sort of early meetings with all of the uh, with, with Nona Gay with Michelle Michelle. Right. Michelle you know Michelle, I, is that how you say Michael that? Michelle? Michael I always Michelle. thought it was Michael Michelle. It might be, uh, yeah. Um, it must be. Yeah. I always uh, uh, thought that Nona Gay was going to be a big star. And Michael then she, Michelle, what am I? Yeah, um, on ER. How, how dare I disrespect her? Yes, play the most boring character in the history of ER. Eric LaSalle's wife. Yeah, but she's like a doctor. She's in it for like three years. Right. Doctor Finch. That was my mom. ER was the only show she watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was like a like a TV is trash person, sure. but she watched ER every week. And when Michael Michelle came on screen, she went like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" She was a real bummer on ER. Yeah. Um, uh, my mom did not see this movie. I saw this movie with my dad. My dad was obsessed with Muhammad Ali. I feel like most Dad's people that age, my baby boomer father, is obsessed yes. with Michael. Yeah, uh, just uh, with Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, Ali. Yeah. just right. the most important athlete of their generation. Yeah, and probably of like 
America. I mean, yeah, kinda, yeah. I think I think fair fair to say like ever. I yeah, think so. probably the most consequential. Yeah. Which is yeah. funny because in yeah, every sense, uh, he was just a boxer. Yeah, he lost fights too. He had that sort of weird end of his career, you know. But he did uh, a Pierre Newman documentary. I mean, you can't go much lower than that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, such a weird sport too. The yes, tradition right, of it. Right. Like an uh, and like seeing it in that time and like my parents yeah. growing up, they watched the fights. Like it was just such a present, ever present part of like America's culture. Well, that's the other thing is that most boxers are viewed as scary. Like the reputation is sure, like this guy's fucking intense, hulking and right. powerful, and yeah, like uh, they talk with their fists. But I feel like since like Lennox Lewis, like or I guess Pacquiao no. is like kind of the new standout. Like he his well, fights Floyd Mayweather, and fl- with Mayweather right, who sucks. He's like yeah. the exact kind of boxer where it's like not interesting to watch. No, he's like a points guy. Right, right. All these guys are just kind of like bulldogs. You Lennox, know? Yeah, I grew up in Britain. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, all right. Wait, so, wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, This movie, uh, wait, wait, you go see it on Boxing Day? I actually did. Except for you, it's literally Boxing Day? (laughs) You know what? I probably saw it. I saw it on Boxing Day. Uh, But in Britain, boxing is such a big deal. Well, they named it after. Uh, and and Lennox Lewis was probably the the last British boxing hero. Sure. And everyone in Britain always knew he sucked. Like, he didn't suck. He was good. He was a good boxer. But like when he he got he had a glass jaw like he got punched one time he fell yeah. right down and that was it right and he was never the same again and everyone in Britain even though we all loved Lennox Lewis we were like yeah he was never like for real in the way no, that like and this, also you know, like Hollywood. none of those boxers ever connected in the same way as people no. outside of the ring like yeah. it was only ever exciting when they got back in the only other guy who had the same kind of cultural weight was Tyson and that was like revulsion. It was like, what's this guy's fucking deal? Sure. Who I'd is this guy? You'd have to for some for something comparable to Ali, you'd have to go back to the beginning of the twentieth century with um uh what's his name? You mean boxing wise? Boxing wise. Yeah, um, who are I know who you're uh, thinking of. Uh black guy, dated white women. Uh, Joe Joe Lewis. And it's sort of I mean it's sort of a similar kind of reason why like Joe Lewis connected to He was like the first black athlete yeah. to connect with non Black people, right? right. Like, yeah. To connect with white people in America, right? right? Like, yeah, pretty much, uh, pretty much, inarguable. And, and sort of, he was, you know, he was a fast talker, like sure. he was transgressive, yeah. and sort of, Ali, in the same way, kind of like is a he's there's racial flashpoint in the United States, and he mm-hmm. kind of like basically channels it through sports, which is right, right. Um, and that's that dynamic doesn't really like exist anymore i mean that's why Ka- kaepernick is like the closest possible thing yeah. to think of yeah. now sure and the thing about kaepernick is is that he is n- like no one would say like well this is also like inarguably the best football right, exactly. player alive yeah like well, you know I, I also, could you imagine the president weighing in on him like like not you, wait, wanting you think trump would have something to say about this guy uh yeah i also that was the point I was well trump to make. is like <laughs> didn't trump uh he did some fucking Muhammad Ali thing. <laughs> I'm sure oh, he did, did he? I he did. I swear to God, I can't remember because it was eighty-seven thousand <laughs> terrible things ago. <laughs> but he did one of those things where he like. Oh, he pardoned him. He pardoned him. That was it. Yeah, yeah right. He gave him the posthumous. I forgot about that. Right, and right. and and sort of around the same time as the Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, thing. sure, sure. He sure. was like criticizing Colin Kaepernick and then gave Muhammad Ali the pardon. That and was said his, less like, than a year ago. Yeah, that happened Jesus like Christ. recently. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, 100%. And, oh. like, that, and like he did that and no one li- – it's not like anyone ever – anyone was like, oh, thank you. That's good. We really were waiting on but that. But then he also you know? hid behind that. I was like, I'm not a racist. I right. pardon Muhammad Ali. It's like Who after is he dead. died, <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. You don't get points for that. Um, oh, boy. But you're right. He's channeling so much of what's happening in America through boxing, which is a very specific thing. Yeah. Well, and it's this thing as you know, as you sort of said, like, I don't know anything about sports, but there are the people who like cross over into just like the general culture where I have to know about them. And like Kaepernick is someone who I only know as a political figure. Of course. I had never heard his name as an athlete before. Right. If LeBron James was taking the same stands that Kaepernick took, uh, then then that would have the sort of import of Muhammad Ali. Right. Right. But the fact that Muhammad Ali is someone where like I as a child who hated sports in this time period still would have probably liked watching this guy on TV. Right. Do interviews, you know? Right. Um, I would have bought a fistful of fries. It's just more exciting. But I, I don't like UFC. I find it really boring. Like, UFC's very boring. I just, I, I'm not I, into I've it. I've never There's watched some, it. It seems too, too I much loved for me. Ronda yeah. Rousey. Ronda Rousey was like the only well, athlete yes. I have been personally invested in, and I would watch her fucking fights. Right. And one of the things I liked about them was that they were always short. Right. That okay. I knew it would like I wouldn't have to engage with it for too long because well, her whole thing was that she would knock you out in five seconds. But I would then, like go yeah. to the bar and watch the five like warrant fights and be like, cool, I'm just going to keep talking to people. And then Rousey would get on. I'd be so locked in for like three minutes and I'd be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But then it was depressing when she like then started, you know, slipping. She, it was it was like Lennox Lewis. It was she, instantaneous. She lost and that was that. Right. Yeah. She was like and then never. Could she never got it back. Yeah. Right. My dad was obsessed with Ali. I just want to say this. Oh, yes. I keep forgetting about this anecdote. He, uh, my dad covered the Rome Olympics, 1960, which Ali fought in. Whoa. And uh, when he was a little baby, when he was like 19. And um, Ali did the thing that he does in this to him, the, um, which was one of his favorite tricks, the put your hands up, I'm going <sighs> to punch you six times. Yeah. Did I get you? Like, which is so funny. Yeah. And I remember he was, he was like, he did that to me. He did that to me. I remember that. That's all. And couldn't I couldn't forget about that before I, we got this I think out of here. my dad's story is he did the same thing to him when they were filming the documentary. Sure. It was like his like favorite little jokey thing. But his hands were shaking and he mm. couldn't do it. My dad was like, Oh god, that's the most depressing thing. Well that's the thing. The fight your dad is covering yeah. is like the fight where afterwards people are like he's already showing the signs of Parkinson's right, disease. Right. Like it's not it's not even I, th- a joke. I think it yeah. was the last one. Yeah, I think you're right. Right. And one more miracle was the pitch of like he's gonna pull it out one more time and everyone's like, You can't, can't like stand up. Right. Yeah. Um, but we don't have that in this movie. No. So we're starting with the Liston fight, the Sam Cooke, right. all that stuff. Him running, the flashbacks to his childhood, mm-hmm. the sense of this guy like reckoning with his place in society, you know? Yep. His history as a black man in America and now someone on the cusp of, of having, you know, the, the ear of a nation. And right after the fight, he and Malcolm are talking about going to Africa, but it's already kind of over. Yeah. For Malcolm. Like, right? Like, right. You know, we're, we're entering at the end of his time. This, this would have been, like, what, 63, 64? Yeah, when, yeah, like when is the first Clay Liston fight? Uh, I think it's 63, because I think that's when Malcolm makes his trip to Mecca. Um, yes. Uh, right, right, right. Alone. Yeah. Or, or not alone, but, right, like, not... No, 64 is oh, the 64? fight. 64, okay. Uh, and then 65, I think they fought again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, right. So... I guess well, they're probably like fudging the timeline a little bit, right? Because when does Malcolm get assassinated? 65. Right. Which they depict. Yeah. This is also one of those movies that just uh, jumps around in time. 
A little bit. Which I think yeah. disorient to people because it doesn't make like hard proclamations right. of how much time has passed or where we are. Right. But it's in it's yeah, you're in sixty four is when Malcolm sort of breaks the nation of Islam. So I guess that's just sort of happening. Yeah. Yeah. And these are two guys who are like, you know, in the center of the cultural conversation and you get a lot of scenes of them in just like shitty hotel rooms with like twenty other people just being like, What are we what are we doing? Uh huh. Is this like, are we doing okay here? Those sure. are, the, there's the one scene where he, where Ali is like watching a documentary about termites. Yeah. And Malcolm comes in and just kind of like has his monologue about being angry. And it's just like, what movie am I watching? Yes. Like this is, this is supposed to be a, a Muhammad Ali biopic. Right. And there's just very raw yeah. kind very of raw. like moment involving Malcolm X. Yeah. But that thing about all these people being around them all the time, whether it's like family members or like the press, sure. or the people of their team. It's like, I, I feel like a uh, very good visual representation, the fact that you have all these actors in almost every scene and almost every shot, whether or not they're speaking, of just like the weight you must feel if you're in that position. Right. right. You know that you have all these people who are sort of connected to you and are looking to you, right. and you're like controlling the room, even if you're just sitting down watching a documentary on TV. Right. Everyone's sort of like, circling around you um i mean it's like you know some people have entourages because they want to insulate themselves from the world well sure and also you can't like go out as a normal person anymore so you need to have a social scene with you right but some people have like entourages to try to remind themselves right of like what's going on sure right and this feels like a guy who's like constantly trying to make sure he's still like connected to a, a web of people but he's very inscrutable in this movie. Yes. Totally. I think that's one reason people were really just dis- dis- not into this movie. He never explains himself yeah. once in the entire movie. Right. And it's, I think you could watch this movie and have the takeaway, like, wasn't Ollie like a very passive guy who was kind of being led by other people? But I don't think that's the take the movie has. It's just that he was kind of a locked up guy. I also just think this is closer to how people behave in real life. Right. Like, people want the fucking Which Bohemian Michael Rhapsody Mann likes, thing. Right. But I could also see a studio being like, Michael, Jesus, he's right. charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of him? He's very charismatic. Right. Which, of course, he is charismatic. I think Will Smith's great in the scenes where he's being the showman and he's like, but like, you know. But very rarely do people just uh, clearly elucidate what they're planning to do and why they're planning to do it. Sure. And so this is a movie where he just kind of acts and people are like, wait, you that's going to go out on the news. And he's like, yeah, I know. Uh, right. Right. And then he goes and takes a shower. <laughs> sure. He So he changes his name. There's the scene where Howard Cassell corrects himself on air which i think is very powerful really and like beautifully acted uh that's sort of like where he's just sort of sensible he's like right you get to be called whatever you want to be called right you know i apologize yes it is weird that uh that becomes like the movie slam dunk oscar nomination because i feel like when everyone was excited for this movie that was the big question mark of like what the fuck is he doing casting John Voight as in Howard this, like, Cassell? Insane makeup. Which right. I gotta say, I've I had forgot. Every, every time I've seen this, I just forget it's John Voight. Yeah, he yeah. does not look like him. No, no, no. doesn't sound. You showed like me him. a picture right. of him in the makeup. I right. would certainly never guess that it's him. But I feel it's like one of those rare ones. That Monday Night Football, like TNT movies, around the same time where you have Totoro playing Howard sure. Cassell, right? And that's like he doesn't really look like Howard Cassell. He's no. got the hair, right? 
But apart from that, he just sort of looks like this weird guy. <laughs> and he also doesn't totally sound like Howard Cassell. No, no. Like he's, he's doing, doing a good voice. character, yeah, but it's not yeah. like a one-to-one, dead-on impression. It's very odd performance. It's so good. But it's and so yet apparently good. both Mann and Smith were like, Voight. Voight's the guy for it. Yeah. Which I guess Mann had worked with Voight and he- As a fence with yeah, a ponytail. He plays ponytail. a fence with a big hair. Yeah, that's right. right. Um, and had Smith worked with him? No, right? I don't think so. Is he not an enemy of the state? He no. feels like he could be an enemy <laughs> of the state. He wasn't an enemy of the state. Maybe he's an enemy of the <laughs> I mean, state. He could be in it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a the- very weird choice, but I think the thing that Voight is so tapped into, which is like another key to this movie, is the way this guy shows his emotion while having this like completely unbreakable professional a broadcaster right. uh, sort of behavior, you sure. know? Right. And like, John Voight is an enemy of the state. There you go. There we go. See, I knew it. Yeah. He but, plays Thomas Brian Reynolds. But that fact that, like, he's not a guy, like, what's so touching about uh, that first scene where where he, like, acknowledges his name change is that this guy is not losing his professional broadcast composure. That it's not like some moment where he breaks down and makes some big emotional stance. That he's so businesslike about it is just like, this is a guy who retains his humanity even while he's always constantly kind of performing. And I think that's the thing that that Ali and Cassell probably bonded on is they both had these like very specific personas. Yeah, and they were very, like, right, they were expected to fill a specific role. Right. In society. They always had to be right. on. Right. Yeah. Um, he meets Sonji, Sonji uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jada's character. It was so good. I love that scene. Yeah. I love her so much she as an actress. She is uh, so good at connecting with other actors. I know. Which is like, feels like a light compliment because that's like the name of the game. Right. But when I see her on screen, I'm like, oh, right. Like you have good chemistry with everyone. Right. And you totally change based on who you're working with and what scene you're in and what project you're in. Um, and this is the first time, well, she was on what? A couple episodes of Fresh Prince. But this is, I think this is the first time they're, they're first together. together. Right. In yeah. a movie. Yeah. It's an interesting role for her to play when totally. you consider the dynamic of their relationship. Cause she's out of the movie fast. Yes. Right. You know, the nation doesn't approve of her. She's too like uh, loose or whatever. Right. She doesn't... Too wild, too loud, too yeah. fast. Um, so she's out of there really quickly. But they I, have such In my such memory, she was in chemistry. more of the movie. Me too. And she's really not. Yeah. Because he meets Nona Gay like right after, right, and uh, she's very appealing too. I mean, my I think Michael Mann wants you to think about the fact that Muhammad Ali married like young women over yeah. and over again. I did not like, realize that uh, Nona Gay's character was uh, seventeen. But in she life. introduces herself as saying like, "I interviewed you when I was a child, right, <laughs> and you were a grown man." And I was like, "Please say it was fifteen years ago." <laughs> right. Um. So, but uh, yeah, I'm. I think I think the scene of them getting married, which again, like it becomes very impressionistic in the middle of the movie. And yeah. I, 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 I guess there's I, no detail. Like no. this movie has grown on me in the sure. times but I've the watched first time it. You but saw the it. first time I saw it, I was sort of like this this back middle part of it, just mm-hmm. like it drags. And there are it moments, does. It's long. There yeah. are there are parts that kind of just feel like they shouldn't even be in the movie. The whole like FBI informant subplot. I'm just I think like there's a little too much stuff in the offices. When you have your weird like, oh here's like Ted Levine and Bruce McGill like well, tapping wires. Man man keeps adding that. In all his re-edits, he puts more of that in. Why? He's like, we need to realize that the like FBI was always watching him. 
So it's sort of part of the scrutiny thing, but I agree that it is weird because it never resolves. I also no, it never like, resolves. It's not like Bruce McGill yeah. comes in at the end and is like, you're under arrest. And it kind of just like slows. It's even, it's, it takes the, it, it, like it runs into the impressionistic parts and just yes. like, you're sort of like, oh, okay, moment with, with his wife or right. like with, and then, oh yeah, the FBI is, is wiretapped his phones. That, and, it feels like it's out of a more perfunctory plot driven Right, exactly. Movie. But, except none of the plot. It doesn't resolve. pay off. Nothing right. resolves in this movie. Like right. Jamie Foxx is in most of this movie. I yeah. think it's a terrific performance. It was that early sort of like where people were like, is this Jamie Foxx a I real remember talent? Being the first like, time. Has he done a performance like this since? Like just so a weird, a weird fucking performance. Honestly, the closest no, thing to this, this. The soloist. The soloist. Yeah. I was about to say, which no one remembers. Right. Nor, nor should they. Um, but no, he rarely lets himself be this uncool. Right. Like he's His very, uh, he's kind playing of, kind yeah. of a famously uncool guy. Like yeah. he right. was a weird guy. And, um, after this, right, he's like a balding half Jew heroin addict. Yeah, and he, who talks about how he's a balding half Jew heroin addict? Right, and he's also, so he won't shut up. About and like it. an amateur poet. <laughs> yeah, right. After this is like he doesn't really do much until Collateral and Ray, uh, in two thousand four. He doesn't really do a lot of movies. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, which are also both weird performances in their way. Actually, you know, there was another. I think Collateral is a very against type performance very, for 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 Fox. Against type, very weird, very good performance. I think it's a we, terrific. We talked about this. Yeah. We'll talk about it in the episode. But that role was written for Adam Sandler. Yeah, which that was, was the really, whole yes. notion. Was yeah. like you put him, Tom Cruise against an obvious comedic actor playing a little toned down, and it was like man was like I want him in like punch drunk love mode. Jimmy right. Fox was a very weird casting choice. But he leans into it and he's good at it. He's it good at playing felt, a charisma, charisma-less guy. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt weird at the time that he was casting someone whose reputation was largely cool to play totally. the part in sure. what was supposed to be an odd couple kind of like one guy's a loser movie. Yeah. He's good at it. He's really good weird. at it. Uh, yeah, because he takes Jada and Jamie Foxx from this movie. My old man does that thing where he'll kind of like right. pick someone from the last movie and bring him to the next project. Like sort of, you know. I mean, right. Jamie Foxx is his guy. He for does a three while. consecutive yeah. Jamie Foxx, and then movies. they fall out in Miami Vice. Collateral Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. What's the third? This one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, and then they don't think they like each other anymore. Oh, I think Miami bad. Vice drove a wedge between. Them. I really like Miami Vice. Yeah. Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Um, uh, I think it was a tough experience to make it, but yeah, no, this middle is very fudgy and strange, and like tough to get a grasp on. And the political yes. stuff is easier to get a grasp on, obviously, because that's such a crucial part of the Ali myth. But like, plot-wise, it's never. There's never like much momentum. So I think part of the idea is Ali was literally couldn't really do anything. Right, he's, he's right. aimless. He's yeah, sort he's of very aimless. Yeah. And like his dad and people are saying, like these are the prime years of your career, and you're like not you don't get boxing. many of them. I right. like that that scene with uh, uh, Joe Morton. Yeah, is so good where he's like, you don't get many of these. Yeah. Um, and when he pitches him the burger place, I mean, I like how much the movie is focusing on how broke he is. Yeah. yeah. You know, that weird position of being like, you still are incredibly famous, even if you are vilified certain quarters mm -hmm. and you can barely pay your bills. Right. Yeah, that no. he's sort of at this like standstill. And uh, then like things are happening, like Malcolm is assassinated. We see Martin Luther King played by LeVar Burton. Very strange. <laughs> Only on television. Zero dialogue. And like, you know, like it's like history sort of his performance is a photo out. in a newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I feel like this is what bother people. What bothers people about this movie, right? Because it does. It ha in, in a, it, it has sort of a bit of the kind of like facade of a traditional biopic mm -hmm. at, right. at parts, and I can imagine being an audience goer hyped up to see it, and you 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 get that opening, you get sort of like, oh, Malcolm X there, and 
and the, right. all these people. Right, I understand. And then, then this is what it was like. Right? Then for forty five minutes, you're just kind of like <laughs> chilling, just, yeah. just hanging out. It's like it a, was like it's another like a, failed marriage. Right, a marriage that's <laughs> yeah. sort of immediately, obviously not. He's like, not heroic. He's not. Right. He's no. not politically. He's just sort of. He's a guy who is very famous yeah. Yeah. and has no idea what to do with this. Right, right. And also one of his most political and heroic acts is him not doing something. Right. So yeah. there's that too. Right. And, and yeah. the sense that he has like a very strong belief in his own morality. Like he knows what he stands for. Yeah. And he's only questioning whether how much damage that is causing him. Yeah. Like there's no consideration. Like he is so steadfast. There's no scene where he like talks through the process of why he's going to refuse yeah. the draft. But you have a lot of scenes of him just being like, that's a really tough decision. Huh? I'm really smarting from this thing. Uh, the thing I was going to say about uh, the Jada Pinkett thing, uh, I love that scene where she asks him if he's a virgin right? because he is so weird right, right, when right, she's right. seducing him. And it is that sense of like these three marriages to these young women it kind of feels like he has built this like very sort of like confident, loud persona sure, right, around right. a guy who isn't really uh, in touch with the more intimate, quiet sides of his personality. Mm -hmm. So every time he like meets a nice woman, he, he like immediately do, right. falls madly in love with her, right, right, like goes right, straight right. to the far end. I mean, it's Baba Shaka Henley has that line where he's like, Great. this is like a woman you date. You don't marry her. Sure. Yeah. Right, right. Right. You know, this is like a first date. Yeah, and he's just like, no, I know, I know. I, when this I know, I know. Right. This is it, right? And I think his scene with his first scene with Nona Gay is similarly lovely, and that shot of them getting married because I think they got married in one of the sort of mass weddings. Like it was, yeah. you know, uh, is very lovely. And then she's basically not in the movie anymore. Yeah, right. You know, and we don't even see them fight because I think Michael Mann doesn't. He's sort of like, I don't know, do people fight? Like, is the couples have <laughs> problems? You know, like yeah. right? Like, I'm sorry if the chicken got overcooked. I guess that's the you know like his right. version, but like. There's the, already fighting in the movie, David. Yeah, he is fighting. He has Boxing. the Joe Frazier fight, it? which he loses, which is also a bummer. Yeah. Like, you watch him, his famous loss. Right. Right? Where he just kind of sucks the whole time. He's yeah. not really fit. He's not really, like, ready for it. Yeah. So that's bad. Uh, Jamie Foxx's big, like, Oscar scene where he admits that he sold the belt. Yeah. Which is just, like, so fucking depressing. He's great in that scene. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And then the back third of the movie is is the Rumble in the Jungle, right? right. Which it, like I feel like when we were kings, the that documentary had only so come cute. out a few years ago. If you've ever yeah. seen, which is like I've a pretty standard documentary that's just a good retelling of like the Ali charisma and the Rumble in the Jungle. And it won the Oscar, yeah. and it was kind of like a crossover commercial play at and the time when they were still was, very much a ceiling on documentaries. And it's it about like you know Don King and like Don King's whole thing and what you know you know jerk he was but also it's, it's how good he was at marketing himself. a very himself. skilled functional documentary of in a very concise way probably what people wanted out of this movie yes explaining Muhammad Ali's cultural importance and setting the stakes for that fight and making you care about it okay and it's just like straight down the middle hits you whereas this is like the, the, it's so weird really weird because he's he kind of I think he kind of likes being in Zaire right like all this stuff where he's walking around right right when he's is fascinating yeah. but it's also a little depressing it also feels a little inert. A yeah. lot of it's him waiting. Yes. You know, he's kind of chilling out. Don King, Michael T. Williamson is great in this movie. Yeah. 
but he's annoying. That's you another, know, like, you know, you know that's another Ali doesn't crazy like, like him. He's like, about shut this up. Movie. He's like, like, you like, read every uh, letter in the dictionary, <laughs> that line. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? They're at a press yes. conference and Don's doing his thing. Yeah. I just love that little moment. It's very funny. That is a crazy thing about this movie, though, where you're like, okay, when we were kings, like just a couple years earlier, covered this chapter. Like, sure. uh, right. Ving Rhames just won a Golden Globe for playing Don King. Sure, that's right. Like, uh, Denzel, less than a decade earlier, played Malcolm X. Right? Played Malcolm X. Like, yeah. a lot of these figures have just been, like, played iconically. Sure. A lot of these chapters in history have just been depicted in more successful sort of populist ways. Yeah. And, in, you know, this is... Weird. Which I think that to his one credit shot is of like, Mabuchi, right. like sitting down and yes. being like, bring in the, who does he, he watched it with someone weird. I forget. He's he, some American journalist or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's all very strange. I think it's, and the fight is weird. The final, like the rope dope. Like right. it's, I mean, it's long and it's kind of boring. His sort of before the fight, his sort of like jog through Zaire or that, run. And then, you know, he's, he's kind of seeing himself represented by the people of Zaire. Yeah. I think that's sort of, for me, that is the thing man wanted to communicate to the audience. Like, this is the thing that matters about all of this, sort of like Ali recognizing sort of like what what this means for other people and right. deciding to kind of embrace that. Um, but to get there, you do have this like very strange... <laughs> It's weird. Right. <laughs> I love it, to be clear. Right. I just understand why people found it so distancing or so unsatisfying. I, I think it was maybe, it was either Zoller Sites or, or Bilga tweeted something because they, th- there have been three versions of this movie. There's the one that's released theatrically. Like two years later, he did an extended edition. That's very long. That's right. very long. Yeah. That's like, I think like it's three plus 250 hours. Sure. or something. Right. 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 Yeah. It like really tips up to the three hour mark. Yeah. And that was mostly just extended, and then he restructured a couple things. Yeah. And then uh, that was re-released in theaters after Ali died. Yes. And then, like, six months after that, they put out a Blu-ray where he was like, after I saw... It's the- called the Definitive Edition. Right. After I yes. saw the extended cut re-released, I realized I thought I missed a couple points. Right. So then he, like, made it shorter. It's shorter. It's the shortest of the three. It removes a whole fight. Right. Which, which is, like, an uninteresting fight. Right. Because a uh, man said it was episodic. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it adds political stuff. He With, wants like more political right. stuff. Right, he adds more yeah. of the white dudes in the offices. <laughs> he does. He, he What's has. so weird about that whole point of like, I want the audience to understand that he was constantly being like listened to. You get that if it's just one scene. One scene. If you cut to one scene of the guys taking the notes, The you hotel get scene where you see them. Right. See, that's all you need. Right. Maybe even keep the scene where the guy eats that really nice looking samosa. I like that. Yeah, scene. that's probably my favorite of them. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm trying to find any other. I don't know. But uh, other than other that main fight getting cut, the, I I mean I went to a website where they outlined like second by second the changes between the three cuts, and a lot of them are very small. A lot of them are like, oh yeah, no, man he shortened a re- reaction shot. He picked a different like He's piece of coverage. He's obsessive. I mean, like and Fincher's like that too. There are those right. guys, you know, like Fincher famously with Gone Girl, like saw the premiere and was like, mm, this scene is five seconds too long and right. like went back and changed it before it came out. But but Fincher's obsessive up until the moment when it gets out and then there. he's like, right, it's out there. Yeah, yeah forget it. Right. right. Whereas man's, man's like, I don't know. I'll just make another version of it again. Right. 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 Maybe with this one in particular, precisely because the public reaction was so tepid, it sort of, yeah. you may feel like there's just, maybe there's a way to get to, to like make this more. That's what he kind of said. I read this, right? Right. Yeah. this you know. deadline interview that was when the last Blu-ray was coming out and it was like six months post death. 
And he was like, I just watched it in a theater, my extended director's cut, right after he had died, and I felt like the story wasn't totally there. Sure. Like, a lot of times when I change things with, like, heat or whatever, it's, like, little technical things that bugged me, or I wish the timing was different. And with this, I thought I could have... I could change a couple levels. changing the inherent thing, which is that Ali is very mysterious. Right. You know, that is his take, and that's probably what's going to bother people more than anything. So, like, you know what I mean? That's what I was going to say, is that the the Zoller cites the Bilga quote, and I'm sorry that I'm uh, giving one of them credit for what the other one (laughs) said by splitting credit, uh, was, like, uh, it was when they re-released it, and they saw it in the wake of his death, and they were like, it's kind of fascinating to watch now, because this is, like, everyone's problem with it was he was using what people thought were was going to be a biopic to essentially make a uh, narrative cinematic essay. Right. Yeah, sure. Like, it's very right. much like an essay movie about, like, the intersection between, like, celebrity and politics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About the most famous person of the 20th century. Who happens to be ins- kind of inscrutable and his inner life isn't actually all that well known. Right. Right, but, right, totally. Right. But here's the thing. That's kind of the same with Will Smith. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah, there's You're right. It's an a good interesting thing where, like, Will Smith's tipping point where he starts to lose his shine as a celebrity is also when he starts to let us in a little too much. Like, late 2000s when it's, like, him with the kids a lot. Right. And he's, like, doing interviews where now he's, like, talking about his, like, philosophical beliefs. Mm. And now everyone's starting to question whether or not he's a Scientologist. Yep. It was like, oh, we liked him when he was, like, doing all the press in the world. Mm-hmm. When he wasn't, like, standoffish. Right. But he was kind of a cipher because his personality was just like, I'm the most fun guy. Right, right. I have the best energy. I have the best spirits. I'm good at everything. Right. I'm Mr. Positive. And I would just remember where, like, I think it was this year with Ali, he, they cut to him in the audience at the Oscars a bunch of times. Yeah. And then by the time they got to Best Actor, it was the still photo and he wasn't in the theater. And someone, you know, they said, like, what happened to Will Smith? He was there. Right. They cut to him during the monologue jokes. And he was like, the babysitter called. And said that Jaden had a fever, so we left and we just went home. And it was like, he wasn't going to win that night. No. But I remember that being such a big thing of like, we know almost nothing about Will Smith's personal life outside of the fact that he's married to this other actress and they have kids. But when he does press, he doesn't really talk about himself. He doesn't get political. He's kind of inscrutable outside of being the world's friendliest man. Yeah, right. And that was like, well, the only things we know about him are like, it seems like he's a good dad. Yeah. And then the second you get into him doing interviews where he's like, we let our kids raise our, themselves. He started saying weird things. I built like a $20 million studio. I sat my kids down and told them if they don't want to be in show business, I'm not probably going to have great relationships with them. And then you start to go like, what, what is Will Smith exactly? Yeah, what's his deal? And now he's back on the usually, I'm fun. I'm on Instagram, right. yeah. and I'll do videos where it's like, man, remember that I was in Wild Wild West? Crazy. You know, crazy? You know, like, right. Oh, my God. Yeah, but see, you, you're relating the two, and they're very similar, but he's not outspoken politically. That's, that's right. the he never only has difference. Been. No. That's and also, thing. can you imagine? As far as I know, at least. I, I don't think I of have, him as I, ever. I, I do not. I cannot no. recall a single time Will Smith has said anything political. Even though yeah. Obama has always been very clear that like he wants Will Smith to play him. Now that's just vanity. Yeah. I, yeah. Sure. <laughs> he always will say, well, he's got ears he's like got mine. Ears. Like, that's right. what he'll always say. That's right. the funniest thing about this movie is the only real prosthetic transformation they do on Will Smith is taping his ears back. Right, 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 right. Um, he, but, but yes, no, Will Smith has always been sort of apolitical. And I feel like anytime he's gotten to controversy, it's like, He's one of these guys who like is like I'm a student of all religions. I read every oh, side. Okay, right. Oh, cool. And I remember this quote where he did an interview and he was like, 
you know, like, I think people don't think about, like, the philosophy of, like, being a human being. So, like, I read, like, Mein Kampf. And I think it's important to like. He did. Yeah. Well, he was like, I've read. Take it easy. He's like, I read everything because I want to know everyone's viewpoint. Okay. And you read Mein Kampf and you realize like Hitler doesn't think he's a bad person. Like everyone wakes up thinking they're okay. a good person. You don't. You don't gotta okay. read Mein Kampf to get that insight. But it's also like that's the most political thing he's ever said. Sure. Is like, I mean, I don't like Hitler, but you know, but the like guy didn't think he was a bad guy. Machines around him, like anytime he would talk about Scientology or things like you right. know, like. Whatever machines around him would sort of be like, well, no. And like it would just go away and then it would just wouldn't be discussed again. Because like, he's it would always just be like, no, no, chill of, out, chill out, chill out. Right. right. There was that moment where it was like Tom Cruise was kind of fading. Will Smith had clearly become the unquestionable guy. And then all the stories were coming out about like, oh, Tom Cruise is like wooing Will Smith right. hard. Like suddenly there were stories about, you know, Katie Holmes, yeah, Tom yeah, Cruise, yeah. Will Smith and Jay hang out all the time. And then you'd hear things about like Will Smith being Scientology adjacent. But then it was always like. Oh, Will and Jada announced that they're going to start a school in Los Angeles. Yeah. And then it was like, wait a second. The school seems to use like Scientology study tech principles. And then they were like, never mind. We're not starting a school. Yeah. It's a lot of that. And then whenever people press them, everyone else who's a member of Scientology is so out loud. Like, I love Scientology. And Will Smith's been like, I dabble. Yeah. Like he, he's a reader, like you say, he thinks, he's, he thinks about things. Right, right. But, yeah. it, but, it, but it is interesting that he's remained so apolitical yeah. and his largely. celebrity was largely connected to the fact that he was so affable, but it never really felt like we knew what made this guy tick. There's something with Will Smith, too, about, and this is, I mean, this is this would make some sort of an unusual choice to play Muhammad Ali. Is that like Will Smith comes, is a black celebrity at a time when this kind of, black celebrity is still a little precarious, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That, like there's this thinking that if you get too outspoken or too political and don't have kind of like a pre-existing base of black people to retreat to, right. you're you're fucked. Like right. you can't, you're you're done in the business. Mm-hmm. And so Will Smith probably like it's so conditioned in that world that even if he does have sincere political right. beliefs, they're never going to come out. Right, but you think Like of- Denzel. Denzel comes out of the same kind of time period. 100%. Yes. Even though he'll work with Spike Lee or someone yeah. who will happily, you know, talk all day about whatever he's, whatever's on his mind. Right. But yeah, Denzel, like, does has he express political thought really? Like, not really. Even, not Sa- right. even Sam Jackson's only recently started getting kind of like- Sure. Anti-Trump. Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And right. he's right. like, that's just a character thing. I mean, fuck this guy. But then there's always like the Hollywood liberal types yeah. like yeah. your George Clooney's, whoever, who are like always very outspoken and everyone's just like, blah, 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 you know, who cares, right? There's like that type. It's almost, it would be the equivalent of like, I mean, and this is, I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is sort of the argument of the the big documentary, but like if OJ Simpson had come out against some political thing in the 70s. He was studiously, right. I thought of Kanye. Uh, uh, during Katrina, sure. Then, yes, at that moment, because that was like I the mean, first time. Yeah, that was. Yeah. But even I, then, there's something unique. I mean, the, what makes the sixties unique is that so much is happening, yeah, right? right? That there's the civil yeah. rights movement, there is the nation, there is Black Power, there is the Vietnam War, and Ali is kind of just like right at the center of all mm-hmm. of it. Right, and you go like this is like uh, uh, not too uh, uh, long after like the Hollywood blacklistings. Yeah. When there's been like a real precedent set for like, if you're in the limelight and you express un-American thoughts, you're fucking canceled. Like it was the original cancellation, you know? I didn't know. I didn't know about this. Oh, yeah. 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 You don't know about the Hollywood blacklisting? 
No. Oh, yeah. Lots of people's names were struck from movies. You would like love this period. Of it's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, basically there's, um, uh, one of the recurring red scares in, uh, the 20th century and like, they were sort of trying to hunt out all the communists in American culture. Right. And, and they found like swung back around any celebrity who had like ever sort of. at least in being once by the time Vietnam comes around, you can publicly take an anti-war position. You might get right. in trouble. I don't or think it was like, the communism thing, but I think the idea the of like Muhammad Ali you. being like, we shouldn't be in this war was like, you got two choices. You either support it or you shut the fuck up. And you're already in a, a, a religion that we find a little scary. Yeah. So, like, dude, you're walking on thin ice. Which pretty, is, pretty scary. Right, right. <laughs> that's that's the, the position. It's the nation that was really crazy. Right. Yeah. right. He was in the nation. Right. That, but they talk about they in the first hour name, of this movie, they keep on saying, like, you know, this radical militant group. Because, like, again, you can always, like, you know, it's like Charlton Heston marched with Martin Luther King. Like, there were lots of Hollywood actors yeah. who were very outspoken liberals at the time, but they were usually, like, Preaching nonviolence right. and marching with you know. Right, Dr. that's why MLK was like, like his success was so tied right. to the fact that he was able to tackle all these subjects in a way that was nonviolent, which sure. made him very easy to endorse. But also, Ali would like go on TV and they'd be like, "Come on, you can't really think that you know." Like, and he'd yeah. be like, "Yes, I do." Yeah. And like, and I'm going to say a bunch of other stuff now. Do you know what the key difference is? I mean, because we're saying obviously there are examples of people who are famous who are outspoken who take a stand on certain issues. But there's the thing when someone becomes the undisputed number one yeah. in their field where they sure. are like king of the mountain right, right. at the top. Sure. Those people then, their main impetus becomes, I can't lose this. Right. And Ali is a guy who was like, I will consciously let them right. take Literally, all of this away like, from me. You have to box right now. We'll and strip like, well. the titles from you. We'll I mean, ban you. Yeah. yeah. And it, what, what makes it so fascinating is I can't think of another period where that could have happened. No. Right? Like... M- when Michael Jordan is the indisputed best basketball player <laughs> yes. in the world, there was nothing happening there politically. There weren't the same kind of it's issues. It's not right. the same kind of right. thing. There's right. not the, there's, what, what could he have said? music is where that's happening right. at that in the 90s, right? Well, like, yes. yeah. What could he have yeah. said? Like, I, I support Bill Clinton. Like, I don't know. What, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Triangulation is the way forward. That's right. A third way. I, Michael <laughs> <Right>. Jordan, <laughs> I support gutting welfare. But, but uh, also, you know, like, Michael yes. Jordan was never a very interesting interview. Like, it was no, like, this Michael Jordan, guy is good at selling me coke. Well, Michael Jordan liked to He's talk about enough. basketball. Right. Like, that was what he cared about whereas lebron james has actually been he's fairly outspoken yeah yeah you know when like you know he like trayvon martin things like you know he's always been fairly good at like he's not like the most dynamic interview in the world or anything but he's like usually staking out sort of the quote-unquote like slightly more radical position war war is different in how americans think about it like politically like even even unpopular wars it's difficult. Like, how many people now? Right. Do you it's hear not like say, LeBron James was ever like, "We shouldn't be in Iraq." Right. That would right. have been nuts. Right. 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 And that was the never one, on the, the table. The one group right. of celebrities who said we shouldn't be in Iraq, the Dixie Chicks, were canceled yeah, for true. ten yeah, years. Yeah, sure. Right. Right. <laughs> that's true. Right. They, true. Were, they were. They were. fine. <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, we don't support this president and his war." But that's what I'm saying. Like, they right. They but they got in trouble because they were. Uh, that was their you know, base. Quote unquote red state. Right, right, right. Whereas, like, again, George Clooney, Woody Harrelson, Ed Begley Jr., like, whoever right. you want to think, like, they were all like, yeah, we shouldn't be in Iraq. And everyone was like, well, of course you think that, George Clooney. Right. And, you know, he, and, and like, this is another and thing. And no one gave a shit, even though, like, George Clooney was certainly famous, and, right? And Clooney I mean, is so issue based from the beginning right. that he, like, makes the Bono, choice. Right. You know, right. whatever. Right. But all these guys, like, as they're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Bono's like, shouldn't be in the war. And everyone's like, okay, Bono. <laughs> Uh, both David and Jamel just did a jerk off motion. 
uh, two respected journalists. <laughs> oh boy, from One uh, papers of get record. out of here. What are you talking about? Um, no, but but there, yes, uh, there is the kind of like Clooney being like, oh, I'm starting to be on the conveyor belt to being a superstar. Sure, I'm going to be very outspoken politically from the get go. And like, uh, I, you know, my, my tiny little fucking sliver of the universe, I had a bunch of people go like, are you going to stop like tweeting like fuck you Trump stuff now that you're on an Amazon show? And I'm like, no, I don't care. And they're like, yeah, but what if some people don't watch the show because of that? I'm like, what, what if 5,000 people what don't watch people? the show? Who are these weird? You would be surprised how many people ask me that. Sure. And I'm just like, I, I don't care. You know, and I think Clooney is a guy who is like, I don't care. My values matter. I'm going to lead with that. And there are other people who do that. Then there are people who like become famous first and then are like, fuck, the drop between one and two is huge. And I don't want to make that drop. And someone like Taylor Swift for years, people were like, is she a white nationalist? Because she won't speak out <laughs> against anything. And right. then Where is realize, she taking this concerted stance? Like, I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm just not going to talk about it. And we all jump to white nationalists because you're right. like, well, the only reason she wouldn't talk about it is if she was a white nationalist. And then it was only in the last like six months that she was like, I'm donating $100,000 right, to like, like female. I'm a fairly ordinary sort of like, you know, moderate liberal or whatever, like a Clinton voter. I'm not right, super yeah. engaged in politics. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And was like, here, but I donated to a bunch of like female Senate races, you know? Sure, right. Um, it, it's that thing. And that's what makes Ali like unique. And that's the movie that Michael Mann wanted to make. Right, right. And also, I mean, I think part of the point man's trying to make is that even the decision to be outspoken is a little mysterious like it, it yeah, doesn't sure you you can't no one reasons it no one says right, to themselves right. like well you know i'm a now I'm it's a, time for me and now it's time for, it's just sort of it it happened that, that and, phone call scene is the big one for me right. where like he hangs up you see everyone in the room who's kind of like amused by the quotes he's giving and then he hangs up and they're like that was a, a reporter they're right. going to run that right you don't want to use that language right you know and it's like it's the, the Emmett Till thing of like that being like so at the beginning of the movie right, right. and he invokes it over and over again is that sense of just like you're walking on thin ice. Like even if you're top of the world right now, you're like one inappropriate wolf whistle away. Yeah. You know, whether or not you did it mm. of them being able to accuse you of a whistle. And it's like it's all fucking gone and you're thrown in the garbage. Something about that Emmett Till scene that the first time I watched it, I didn't notice it. But when he looks at the newspaper, the old man who's holding it pushed it in his face. Right. Which is also sort of like there's something about that and sort of the fact that Ellie surrounds himself with lots of political black people mm. yeah. over the course of his life who are basically doing the same, pushing in his right. face. And he maybe is paying attention. Yeah, yeah right. You right. Know, sometimes he's more just in his own head, but right, it's all... Not to he scare wants him, but to like, remind him of yeah, what the yeah, stakes yeah. are. Right. He's not trying to be insulated. And why he hates Don King so much. I think right. it's important right. that he hates... Yeah. Where he like immediately is like, now you're just... This is bullshit. You're yeah. not trying to like bring money to Africa or whatever. You know, right. Like, right. right. He's the greatest showman. Yeah, he, he was. What if, <laughs> what if they do a greatest showman sequel about Don King? What if greatest showman becomes like, movie. an anthology that, franchise? That would be a better movie. Better yes, movie. Right. Yeah. But we had the similar take where it's like, he was great. <laughs> you know, like that was it. And you're like, what about all this stuff? And it's like, nah. He was a showman. That's what I would love. I would love if like they like the greatest showman becomes like gold diggers of 1933. Right, right. Where they right. updated every couple of years with another shitty guy yeah, who right. abused people. Who, the greatest like, showman, Donald Trump. He loved hey, entertaining an audience. In a way, well, he is the greatest he showman. Was, he kind of was the greatest. All right. We're gonna do the we're 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 in, we're wrapping up now. Yeah. Yes. Do you okay. have any final thoughts? I feel like we, well, this is a more in depth 
like kind of <laughs> take on a movie and sort of it's like cultural import than we've done in a while. That's good though. Yeah. This is the movie to do that and for. And it's not a plotting movie. Yeah. Weirdly not. Right. Uh, yeah, if you have any final thoughts, because then we're going to get to the joke I stole, the box office game, and the Spies in the oh, right, trailer. Yeah, Those right, are the okay. three things okay. we got to knock yeah. out. We got, uh-huh. I, don't, I, I feel like I've said my piece yeah, on, you, the, on yeah. the movie. I just, it's, um, I think that, I don't know if there will be another Muhammad Ali biopic. Um, Ang Lee came very close to doing the Ali. Uh, just the thrill in Manila. Like right. He wanted yeah. to do just like a one fight movie. And right. I feel like no one's ever going to attempt to, no one's ever going to stop to the hubris of we're doing another definitive one. Right. I right. assume anytime anyone ever makes like a hot Ali, it would be like one slice. Right. Um, but I, I do think man was on the right track mm. trying to situate Ali in a very specific historical circumstance and kind of almost make the point that like maybe nothing like this can happen again. Just yeah. like the conditions for it just don't exist sure. anymore. And that that's what makes, more than anything, that's what makes Ali historically noteworthy. Because they'll never be a figure that culturally dominant. Yeah. There's not no. like one person, like even LeBron James or whoever, like name the top athlete. Right. Like they're never, they don't have as much of the public's attention. Right. Yeah. We, we don't have monoculture anymore. And also right. no one will ever have that impact again because he was the first one to do that. Right. It became right. such a big deal because that was not how it was celebrities yeah. behave. Right. Yeah. And the movie itself, challenging movie. I understand why people do not like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it, but it, you know, it's, as you said, like, it's a movie that uh, rewards upon rewatch yeah. and further engagement I think with so. It. I think it does. I think it's not a movie you can watch once and kind of digest. I mean, if, if it is kind of like an essay, then it is an essay that, like, one of those ones that you do your first read to kind of get a sense of what it is, and then you have to do continuous deep right, readings. Right, right. Um, I, one other thing I like about this movie that I think they just handle very subtly, uh, Bombadil is the Jamie Foxx guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, that, Drew, Drew Bandini Brown, yeah. Uh, right. Um, that uh, the, uh, uh, not Bombadil, what the fuck am I talking about? I don't know, what are you Bandini Brown, uh, that, that he was sort of like his joke writer. Right. In terms of the rhymes. Yeah, he was coming up with a lot of the pattern. Right, and yeah. you never see any of that. Right. But there's like the line where Will Smith is talking about like how hard he's like sort of gone down the drain. Yeah, he's, where like, they, his rhymes they don't say even the make sense right. anymore. <laughs> and you get the sense that it's just like he's like a weird guy who talked in this like circular pattern. And then Ali was like, cool, I'm going to start taking some of these. Sure. I know how to actually sell them. I mean, and this is a stray thought, but like, you know, there's the, during the Sunny Liston fight, when he's sitting in the corner, Ali, you can see it if you watch the actual yeah. fight, would keep turning to the crowd and going like like that, like yeah. baring his teeth. And right. he does it with the mouth guard in. It looks yeah. weird. Yeah. And he, was, he wasn't yelling. He was just doing that. And he does it in this movie. Right. It's never explained. Yeah. Because no one knows why he did that. Right. Even though he's the most famous person of the 20th century, maybe. Right. You don't have a scene where Freddie Mercury breaks the microphone stand. <laughs> like, like, what if right. I did this face? Right. 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 And like, that's uh, right. It's like, I'm sure maybe even people ask him, what were you doing? And he maybe even had some answer that may or may not have been true. Yeah. Like, because he, he is so inscrutable, even though he's so famous. Yeah. He's a hard person to make a movie about. Yeah. Good but he's also very movie. iconic. I think it's a good movie. Yeah. But it's I I under, I agree with you. Yeah. I it's very weird. Yeah. And l- like frustrating and intentionally. A very weird Christmas Day release. Very weird Christmas Day release. But first before we do the box office game, the joke I stole from you was Jupiter reaching cruising altitude. Oh, thank you. As a sequel to Jupiter ascending, which I think it just become canonical in my brain. Sure. Because that we make that joke. Yeah. You haven't forgiven me for this. I haven't. 
Well, I'm sorry. We'll work it out in the divorce, <laughs> in the settlement. What? We're not getting divorced. We're getting divorced. Does Ben get We're... like split in half or yes. something? Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> no, baby. Yeah, I get the top half. <laughs> uh, uh, we're go- we're going to divorce and still keep doing the podcast. Interesting. Yeah. All right, fine. Uh, the box office, uh, 2001. Uh, one. Christmas 2001. Yeah. It's a very long weekend. Uh, right. Wait, right. When it's did like Christmas a five-day weekend. Okay. Uh, and it's it, basically Christmas to New Year was like a weekend. I feel like this is one of those movies where like the first day was big and people were like, oh, it's going to be a hit. And then it just dropped way off. I guess so. If you break it down daily, uh, $10 million on Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then kind of drops off. But it grossed like 60 in total. It grossed uh, 58 total in its first week. It grossed 40 million. Right. So it That's made almost all of its money in the first week. It made uh, almost. Uh, uh, it made more than one sixth of its entire box office gross in the first twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah. Like that's like, and it made no money overseas. Like right. twenty nine million. Nothing. Right. It's kind of similar to Sweeney Todd, where it was like big star peak, working with a big director, and then everyone goes to see a Christmas, and they're like, "What the fuck Forget is this?" It. Forget it. And it hemorrhages. But there's audience. another problem. Lord of the Rings. Number one at the box office is Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, which of course people thought was going to be a hit, but becomes unstoppable. Yeah, And And people are seeing it again and again and again. I think especially after Harry Potter worked, people were like, well, now like Lord of the Rings is kind of going to be warmed over. It's It's going to be the bride's Exactly. Harry Potter is going to eat his lunch. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and then uh, a month later, Lord of the Rings becomes wait, this, did like... Harry Potter, that first one come out in 01? Yes, yeah, it, it came out, like, out November, right? Yeah, Right, they're yeah. like a month apart. Wow, I, in, my, in my brain, Harry Potter comes out a couple years later, nope. but I guess... No, they both started the same time, and I remember it being like, one of these is going to be humongous. Sure. And obviously, Harry Potter's the be- the safer bet because it's got this cultural thing. But and Chris it was Columbus the highest grossing not. movie of the year. Right. Yeah, although they grossed pretty much the same amount. Right. Three... 15 essentially right and then lord of the rings the next two outgross the next two potters for sure right Right. and it it becomes an oscar film uh which was uh, crazy but i always think the the three things that feel very post 9 11 to me are or two things really it's uh uh lord of the rings and harry potter hitting so big right in the immediate months and then uh spider-man the following may sure yeah are just like and that now it's all like fucking high fantasy and superheroes we want like clear good and evil Lord of the Rings has made 174 in two weeks. Huge. But there's another movie that has made 136 in four weeks. That's number two at the Christmas box office. December 01. That's also kind of a definitive movie of the year. December 01. Yeah. But it came out in November, I think. I think it was a Thanksgiving movie. No, early December. Early December. Uh, it's not Harry Potter. No. Monsters, Inc. came out early We November. were talking about its star. We're talking about Just its now. star? Yeah. Just now? Spider-Man? No. No, not Spider-Man. Get me Spider-Man. <laughs> Stop just now. Uh, it's a big cast. Is it Harry Potter? No. What do you Stop say? saying Harry Potter. Harry Potter's number five, actually. It's so not, you it's that. Not, is it a franchise thing? Yeah. Everyone, it becomes a franchise. All the characters got business. They do a lot of different kinds of business. Sure, a lot of business going on. Oh, big yeah. cast, a lot of business. Big cast, like a number of people. Like a real list. Yeah. Like a number of people. Is there a number in the title? Yeah. yeah. It's not Eight Crazy Nights. No, no, it's not Eight Crazy Nights. Oh. Up? You're right. It's not Nine Lives. 102 Dalmatians? Jesus. Down. 101 Dalmatians? Down. Double digits? Just barely. Just barely. 10? 11? 
Eleven? It's a yeah. remake. Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Come on. People forget that's Christmas too. Yeah, and that was another huge hit. Yes. Yeah. And then Ollie and Harry Potter, the only thing we haven't discussed is the number three movie of the year. Probably the best movie of the year. An animated film was an Oscar nominee that year. That's not Monsters Inc.? Nope. It's an animated film. It was probably it's, the best film of that I'm year. I'm joking. It's I've never seen this movie. This is some of your bullshit. <laughs> this, is this something I like? It's the other nominee. Who are the three animated film nominees? The first oh, year the Oscars oh, nominated oh, animated okay. film. Right. Of course, it's it's Shrek. There was Shrek. There was it's Monsters, Monsters Inc. Inc. People thought the third nom was going to be Waking Life. Sure. And a big surprise, a doo-doo-headed boy <laughs> rode in on his spaceship. Sure. Jimmy Neutron himself. Boy genius. His head looks like. It does. He's got it's a, got the little turd swirl yeah. when people do a cartoon turd. So those are the top five films. Wow. Jimmy Neutron. Boy genius. Now it's time as we wrap up, and thank you so much for being thank on our you show. So oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Happy to. Um, for Jamel to watch the Spies in Disguise trailer. Okay, so here's, okay. What, here's what we're going to tell you, Jamel, okay? We are going to play you the trailer. Okay. We're yeah. going to tell you that there's a big twist in the trailer. Right. Okay. We're going to pause it right before the twist you comes into play. Be quick right. on the pause. Sure. Yeah. And and we're going to ask you to guess what you think the twist is going to be. Now, he okay. might know. He might have forgotten this movie exists. And I'm just going to do this first. Thank you all for listening. Have, Please I'm, remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Guido for our social media. Joe Bone, Pat Rounds for our artwork. Lane Mark Cummings for our theme song. Go to uh, blankies.riot.com for some real nerdy shit. Uh, T Public for some real nerdy shirts. Uh, 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 Patreon uh, blank check bonus features. Right. And as always, what's your question? What? Do you feel like you're prepared? <laughs> I feel like I'm prepared. I was going to say, I know I forgot this movie because I have like an eight-month-old and don't remember anything anymore. Oh, great. Great. Right. Perfect. Okay. okay. Well, this may be... Have you taken your, your eight-month-old to the cinemas yet? No, no, no. They, he has not uh, seen a screen yet. Okay. This should be the one. He's not seen any screen? No. You're a good dad. Wow. You rule. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jamal. Okay. Ready? And we're going to press play okay. on the trailer. Feel free to, you know, if you're getting any sense of anything as it's going on. This is the third Will Smith movie. So far I see there are are spies in disguise. Okay, so he kind of looks like Will Smith, right? This is part of the Will Smith rehabilitation of let's make him America's favorite guy again. Got to meet Lance Sterling. He's got earbuds. Yeah, he got some AirPods. Right. You getting ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting ready with the space bar. I know, I'm just, I got my finger hovering over it. In 2019, so you know it's coming out this year. Okay, now. So you're going to have to guess. Where's this going? I'll wait for it to go black, right? <laughs> uh, is he going to like transform into like a plane or something? The transformer? Guess. I'll say this. That is a better guess than most people make. You're going off of the to Superfly. Right, right, Which right. I should have paused it a second earlier. But even still, I'd say you're the closest I've seen anyone guess. Okay. Okay? All right. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Uh, he's a he's a he's a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> he's a pigeon. There's another pigeon there. What? <laughs> Unburn me right now. Come on. 
I I I am I am speechless. <laughs> I am a professional opinion writer, and I am speechless. You got no takes on this. No one. takes. Okay, wait. But, but now, no, 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 no. Say the title out loud. All right. Say it out loud. Say the title out loud. Spies in disguise. Well, but what if it's also about spies in disguise? Pointing <laughs> okay. up. Thank you, everybody. Wait, wait. No, oh. there's one last oh, challenge. Sure, sure. Will Smith, Tom Holland, Rashida Jones. Karen Gillan, if you had to guess who the last <laughs> cast member is in this film, the last above the title. Above the title cast member. So Will Smith, one of our most, you know, sort of uh, no, uh, venerated no, movie no, stars. No, no. Danny DeVito. Tom Holland on the rise. For that's, a that's a solid guess. You get, you're kind of right in body shape. <laughs> Ready? Tadrian <laughs> <laughs> Collin. Oh Jamel almost fell out of his chair. <laughs> I played myself. I had to, yes, we, we've all been played, I think. 